0: To your
2: friends
3: there's
4: only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro
3: wrestling and you're one of them you know all the bad shit you've heard about us it's all true but another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling and that's why we're here i'm not sports entertainment anymore talk to them, kid this is a new beginning and it starts to a new
4: day is dawning for dx I so know who you're talking to.
5: What's up at- Top one two three sixty 2 thank you for coming back to hang out with us on another brand new episode. We're going to be breaking down the week's top pro wrestling headlines. We have got an interview with Lanny Poffo coming up in a little bit. But first, let me introduce you to the team. My name is Christy Olsen. We got Jimbo on the couch today. Hello,
1: Christy and Sean. How are you all
2: doing?
5: Hey, we're good. We're good. I just spoke for both of us. You can't talk yet because I didn't introduce you. Mark is in the booth. Hey, Mark. What's up? And that was kind of rude of me. So let me just get to it. Hey, Sean. Sean X-Plug Woman.
3: What's up? Hey. <laughs> hey, everyone. Good to be back. Welcome back. How was Ireland? Ireland was fantastic, actually. I get all wound up in angst and angst and that, you know, before I have to make a trip because I don't like being on airplanes. But once I got there, it was great. It was great. Fantastic. I teamed with... Grado again the first night, second night I teamed with Abyss it was fun, the crowds were fucking just uh, they were really rabid really fucking high energy crowds first two nights. Who
1: were you uh, wrestling for while you were out
3: there? Uh, well it used to be called AWR which I feel bad about because I was like wondering where their tweets were you know but it's called over the top wrestling now so like the whole time I'm like where the fuck the AWR tweets? I remember tweets you saying
5: that, could... that
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah and, but it was like over the top wrestling it's called now. They 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 do really well. They run uh, monthly there. A guy named Joey Cabre. He he was in developmental and W or uh, NXT for a minute. From uh, there, he's from obviously from Ireland. Uh, but uh, they were part of the, when I used to go do the AWR tours. Like Sabu would go, RVD, different people would go over there. Generico was there, Pac, aka Neville. Uh, anyways, we would it was a concert promoter and so we would tour like like you know rock bands would tour on tour buses all over europe and That's it awesome. was pretty good man it was it was really fun back then uh, i was at a different point in my life at the time so i was getting fucked up a lot back then still but uh it was great it was a lot of fun and it was great to see a lot of those guys again Fantastic.
5: So, do you spend your time differently when you're on those tours now? Like, if you get a little yeah. off time, what do you do? I
3: sit in my room, and watch TV or Netflix, and
1: I don't get fucked up. <laughs> go to well, a museum you, like you didn't. I'm in gonna
3: die of drugs
1: <laughs> anymore.
3: <Yay!
2: laughs>
5: well, but you've been to places like Ireland so many times, right? That you're are you anxious to like get out there and see something or another, or do you, does that not interest you?
3: I'm not really, when I'm, if I have a day off or something over there, you know, wherever I'm at over there, over here, uh, yeah, I might go out and do something, go see things, but uh, if it's, if it's just I'm there to work, I just chill out, I stay in my room uh, until it's time to go to the building, and uh, so I just, I get my rest, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: you know, I mean, it sounds boring now compared (laughs) to how it used to be, but hey, it's not boring for me.
5: Well, I think we've heard enough of the yeah. exciting stories from back in the sure. day to understand.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and every now and again, there's still some, you know, exciting, fun things that happen in my life.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Any Anything else of late that you want to mention?
3: Not really. Yeah. <laughs> we had We had a little
5: Halloween action a couple days ago. Did, yeah. you, did you get into that or not really?
3: I, I'm not huge into the holidays, mm-hmm. but... Uh, uh, it, when I got home, uh, I got to see my baby Gooch, my doggie. Aww. Yeah. Mark, do you got that picture? I can grab it. Yeah, well, so I'm a huge, everybody knows, like, I don't know, everybody that knows me knows I'm a huge dog lover, and I miss my dog. Yes. She's in Philly, and I'm here, so, but I stopped in Philly on the way here.
5: She must get so excited when you walk in the door. Oh. Like, she, is it out of she control? She starts having,
3: like, you know, like, asthma attacks. Mm-hmm. You know, where she starts having trouble breathing because she gets so wound up.
5: Yeah. Aww.
3: Oh, I miss
5: her. And what, what is this Look photo at, we're looking yeah, at here?
3: That's my baby Gooch in her Wonder Woman costume. Oh, my God. Can we see it yet, Mark?
0: Uh, we'll be able to see it in a sec.
3: Okay.
5: I know so... well to <laughs> I'm, I'm too busy gushing it, and I'm gushing over Sorry, Gooch's yeah. Wonder Woman <laughs> I love it that is extra cute while well, well, you guys are all checking out Miss Gooch and Sean having their little moment God, you guys are so cute I love that I want to remind you guys all that we are on YouTube and iTunes as well please rate comment and subscribe give us five stars we appreciate it and if you use a podcast app and you can't find us on it we want you to, we need your help. You can help us submit to that app. Just copy our RSS feed. It is right there in the description box. And contact the app's support email. It's always easy to find. Thank you in advance. We want to make sure that we get out there to all of you guys with these fantastic interviews and these cute pictures of our dogs. And on that note, I think maybe it's time because I know it is an action packed week out there in pro wrestling. Let's move on to the X Pac 12360 News of the Week. Break it down! X Pac
0: 12360 Wrestling News.
5: Breaking down this breaking news story. This is hot off the press. Just about an hour or two ago, WWE announced a brand new show for the network called 205 Live. Sean, I think you're going to like this one. This is an hour-long program. All for the Cruiserweights. This is dedicated to the Cruiserweight division. Mauro Ranallo and Corey Graves will be commentating. I know everybody loves them. And uh, it's going to air live from the same venue as SmackDown. And it'll go on live on the network right after SmackDown. Uh, Don't worry, though. Talking Smack is still a thing. Talking Smack will air after 205 Live. So every Tuesday night, you're going to tune into SmackDown. You're going to switch over to the network and catch 205 Live with the Cruiserweights. And then watch Talking Smack. And then you should probably go to bed because it'll be late by then.
3: I guess. Well, <laughs> oh, it's, that's great news for uh, for the cruiserweight. Absolutely. Roster. Uh, I'm curious. Well, I'm not curious. Obviously, they won't be uh, having these matches after Raw goes off the air, or was it SmackDown? Um, the the
5: Smackdown, this program right? is going to be yeah. yes, it's going to be shot after SmackDown goes off. It the air. It
3: can't be shot after SmackDown goes off the air. People can't sit. After the main event of SmackDown and then go and do all cruiserweights.
5: I mean they they say it's live, so that's certainly Speaking the way of it live, sounds. I just
3: spilled my coffee, everyone.
5: <laughs> he sure did. I expect Mark to come running in with some paper towels. Nope, Jimbo's got us covered. Jimbo's on the Our- case. Are you uh is bag, laptop, everything okay? Should I just uh, I keep think talking? I just
3: got over my laptop case, Oh, should whatever. we take should we take a break? No, let's not. No,
5: all right, <laughs> screw it. Let, let the laptop go to heck. We have yeah. got news to report. Yes, yeah, so it they say it'll be airing live after SmackDown. So yeah. but really, I mean that's no different from uh from a raw crowd sitting for three hours. Right? It's
3: just after okay, look. You think it's after, too much? Yeah, it's too much. They're gonna have to shoot it. Before and then aired afterwards. They
0: usually do shoot like the main event, the superstars before the before the RAW and SmackDown taping. So it may, it would make sense if they shot all of the cruiserweight stuff before and then just aired it live. Yeah, afterwards. they're gonna have
3: to do it that way, Mark. It's just I, I you can't. It's like going backwards, and and you know yeah. I don't mean it, I don't mean that, that in a negative Cruiser, way. Does but does that
0: mean the cruiserweight's the main event of SmackDown no, now? No, exactly. that never.
3: That whole like the main event going on last thing. That's old. That's just old theory. You know, um, whoever the main event is, is the main event. Whether sure. they go on first, second, in the middle of the guard, or last. They're still the main event.
5: Mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell had three main events.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. I watched a little bit of Hell in a Cell while I was in Ireland. What I did, caught what the did you think? Some of, uh, I, summer, uh, you know. <laughs> a little, little hit or miss? Yeah, hit and miss. Yeah. What did you
5: think uh, of the ladies?
3: I didn't see the ladies.
5: No? Oh, okay. No,
3: I didn't. Okay, they a, did
5: close out the show. They were the main <laughs> they were the main event according to whoever says that stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I missed
3: it. I missed
5: that cool, yeah, well they were they were fantastic. It was a pretty good show. And let's move on to a little bit of UFC news. <laughs> The, the first lady of the UFC, let's call her Ronda Rousey, was on the Ellen DeGeneres show the other day, and when asked how long she will continue to fight in the ring, she said, not that long. This is definitely one of my last fights. She's referring to, um, she's going up against the UFC bantamweight champion, Amanda Nunes in the main event. This will take place on December 30th in Vegas. Now, what's interesting about this is that she may just be kind of trying to drum up some interest in this show by saying, that it could be her last fight because there there hasn't been as much in this one as previous fights and actually ticket prices range from 75 dollars to 600 for this which are down quite a bit from the previous shows in that arena so interesting if people will come out to see ronda rousey's possibly last fight
3: well i wonder what her next the next phase of her life is going to involve i wonder if it's going to involve professional wrestling
5: Do we have our fingers crossed for that to happen? Would you like to see it?
3: Well, if that's what she wants. Mm -hmm. I'm all about somebody doing what they want to do, not what everybody else wants them to do. Yeah, Everybody's always, oh, one last match, one last fight, I'll come... Yeah, I mean, I get it. It would be nice. But think about, like, what the fuck they want to do,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, with their life. What will make them happy?
5: Yeah, and she's talked about, you know, she really wants to pursue the acting thing and do more movies. And also, she's talked about starting a family with her boyfriend. Oh, nice. So, you know, if she thinks that's worth giving up a career for, then that, you, like you say, is her decision to make and right. nobody else's. Yep. If you detected a little judgment there, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Moving on to another lady who might be moving on. <laughs> TNA knockout, Maria Kanellis announced on Twitter that she plans to leave the wrestling business very soon. She also divulged that she recently went back to school to get her bachelor's degree, which she will score in May, and that after that she says she'll move on and get her master's degree. Now, the really interesting aspect to this story is that Maria was one of the first recipients of WWE's talent scholarship. This is something that I hadn't heard of. Apparently, WWE offers a $5,000 scholarship to former talent so that they can pursue college education yeah that's pretty cool
3: sure yeah it is it's something they've been doing for a while it's just apparently it's news now
2: Mm -hmm.
3: or it's just one of those things that um has been offered and um i'm not sure how many how many of the former talent have taken them up on it yeah you know or tried to tried to you know tried to do this but i think it's really cool and i think it's I think it's a great thing anytime anybody in our industry, you know, decides to go back to school or go to school for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much I would be doing if I ever went to school. So, um, it's great. I I love it.
5: Yeah. I love it. Any any chance you'll be taking advantage of that anytime soon?
3: I you know, I'm I'm not going to lie. I've actually thought about about taking about going to school.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I would say going back, but I never really went. You,
5: know? <laughs> you never started? <laughs> not
3: really. I mean, not really. That would mm-hmm. be a
1: reality TV show so. or something they could put on the network like any any old school wrestler I'm going back to, packed school. to school. I'm just yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes!
3: I started watching <laughs> that movie back to, you know, Rodney oh, Danger Dangerfield. I, awesome
1: I love the movie. Roach Motel. Uh. He's got like, it's like the thing to kill roaches, and it's called the Roach Motel, but that's where he keeps his roaches in the bathroom. Oh, his roaches. Yeah. <laughs> but
3: I sh- <laughs> thought we were going to get through one Him show and- without a
1: marijuana reference. <laughs> Him and Joe Pesci, right? Yeah. Joe Pesci? No. Who else is in that movie? A lot of... Uh, oh. Not- oh, come on, Jimbo. Oh, man. Of anyway. all the movie references you have, you don't know I Back know, to School? I know that movie, but I'm trying to think who else is in that movie.
3: Yeah, anyway. we, we were... Thornton Melon. Thornton Mellon. That was his name.
5: We aren't getting through any episodes without a pot reference, apparently. Yes. We're also not getting through it without some major TNA news. <laughs> What's going on now? Well, we we talked about Billy's uh, court case last week. The update on that is that he was denied his court bid to take control of TNA. That happened just yesterday. Now that doesn't preclude him from moving forward with a lawsuit against TNA, but he has had his control taken away as he had put in 1.8 million dollars in loans to the company. And now, what's going to happen is that Fight Network's distributor Anthem Sports and Entertainment will be paying. Him back, and so everyone's kind of assuming that that will give Anthem the majority control, and that Corgan has been removed from ownership. Meanwhile, Challenge TV, which was the UK distributor of TNA and one of its two major sources of revenue, has dropped TNA uh, beginning next year.
3: Yeah, January of 2017. Yeah, it's not a it's not a surprise. They probably aren't sure like what the what the future of the company holds. Obviously, nobody is. Mm-hmm. So.
5: Yeah, there um, were some. They were supposed to be shooting an episode of TNA totally at the the compound. It was going to be called Total Nonstop Deletion. Oh, they're not doing it now. Well, it's been postponed. Reportedly, they didn't have the money to bring all the talent into right. the compound. So yeah, they were
3: going to actually. I was talking to Abyss while, when we were in Ireland, and he oh. was, was going to be. It was him and some someone else versus the Hardys.
1: Mm-hmm. Him gonna, and uh, Crazy Steve. I don't know. Decay. I'm not that's sure. Like that's what their tag team is. Anyways, they were going to have it there and have
3: fans come to the compound oh, wow. and, you know, mm-hmm. do all that. Sounded pretty cool. Yeah,
5: it did. Yeah. It did. I hope that they get to go through with that. We shall see, and I will keep you posted. We... <laughs> Let's move on to a funny, funny story. I got a I preempt with that because I don't know what you're going to say about this one, Sean. Breaking news headlines following this week's SmackDown Live taping. AJ Styles was locked out of his rental car outside in the parking lot. Yes, while fans stood by idly, taking uh, videos and tweeting photos, he tried to kind of jimmy and get in there. He eventually was saved by security who helped him get into the car, and he rushed to the airport to catch a flight to Saudi Arabia, where he's got a match. Everybody's going over there on Thursday. I know, right?
3: Close call on that one. (laughs) File that right next to the... I fucking burped after breakfast this morning. Who gives a fuck? See, I mean, I mean, it's not like who gives a fuck, but like who gives a fuck? I mean, as far as news stories go, yeah, like people kind of care. It's kinda, it's cute, but like as breaking news, come on, everyone, shit. And it's not just one news right? site. <laughs> no, no no no. They've all
5: they all picked this one up. There were videos and pictures and tweets. I mean the WWE mm. universe was up in arms Tuesday night over this news story. What
1: happens if he doesn't make that flight? Like, I don't know, man. Like, what does Vince do? Like, that. <sighs> Put him on be... the next
3: one or something like that. Oh my God! I mean, but to Saudi Arabia.
1: How, like, I don't know how long there's is that flight? Pl- look, there's always, always a, a backup. Yeah.
3: Trust me. Okay. When it's done right and WWE does things right, there's always a backup flight. There's always a way. Even when, even when I missed all my flights, leaving home in Minnesota one time. To go to a show, I was wrestling Kane in the main event in a cage match. And I missed all my flights. I was going to miss the show. But I just, I drove to the signature terminal where all the charter flights are, and I just rented my own plane. What? Yeah. It cost me twice as much as I made for the show that night, but I made the show. I didn't miss it. How much? I was like, I was like, Four or five grand or something. It was only from St. Paul to Iowa, like yeah. Mason City or some kind of shit, Davenport, something like that. And so.
1: this is like a little like personal plane or this? Yeah, is a- it
3: was a little Cessna. So
1: it's just like you, a pilot and a co pilot, yeah. just chilling?
3: Yeah. Did you feel like a baller or were you worried no, about making the show? I was just worried about getting to the show on time. I actually got changed in the taxi cab on the way to the arena and like I know this sounds like bullshit, but I literally pulled in and got out of the taxi. Ran in through the back door and my music was playing and boom out to the fucking entrance and into wow. the ring. So then
1: you called it all. The other yeah. day.
3: Oh yeah. man. Yep.
1: Amazing. Well, see from like a story that wasn't so much news. We got a great right? story from
5: you. <laughs> 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 is is the reaction backstage like, dude, you almost missed it, or are no, they just glad you were there? Like, they don't care. Fuck
3: yeah, you made it. <laughs> it was like pat on the back, city. And you know, I was just gonna eat the cost of the ticket because mm-hmm. it was my bad. Uh, They were just so happy I made it. They sent me a check for the, you know. Awesome. Yeah.
5: (laughs) That's cool. Well, we got one last little feel-good story for you. Sean, your friend Finn Balor is on the mend. As you guys all know, he was injured in late August and was expected to be out about six months. So this last week, he went from New York City to Orlando, you guys know what's in Orlando, and he showed up at the WWE Performance Center. He sent out a little tweet saying, having the privilege to come to WWE Performance Center and chat with Terry Taylor, and normal smiley is a treat that I will never get tired of. So sounds like he's anxious to get back to it.
3: Terry Taylor is amazing. People don't realize, a lot of people don't realize Terry Taylor is fucking amazing. What a learning tree to sit under. He taught me so much. You know, I know we're talking about Finn here, but he brought up Terry. Yeah, well, <laughs> Terry
5: isn't one of the trainers that you hear about as often as some of the others.
3: Uh, well, because he's not one that needs to be like, oh, everybody pat me on the back. I need all the credit. Mm-hmm. He's just fine sitting back and doing his thing and letting whoever else take all the credit. He don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's have an you amazing human being. I love Terry Taylor to death.
5: Have you talked to Finn at all about his recovery, how he's not, doing? No, not
3: lately. No? No. I'm sure he's just fine,
1: though. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And we
5: will, we will keep you posted as to an, well, an would you
1: in-ring turn. say, like, turn. the best branch of his learning tree would be? Like, is he really good at, like, backstage, like, or, like, psychology, or, like, working with you in the ring, or, like...
3: All the the psychology stuff, in-ring psychology. Yeah. All the stuff that, you know, um, how to go from being a uh, a good hand or, or a... Uh, you know, guy that does some really great moves to a guy that you can draw money with.
1: Yeah, because like you'll always hear he gets a bad rap for being the Red Rooster, and you'll hear the rumor was he really supposed to be Mister Perfect?
3: Uh I'm sure his name was tossed around, but there's only one Mister Perfect. You know, yeah. I, and I mean Terry will tell you that the the right guy got to got that gimmick. There was no one else that that gimmick was going to work on. And Terry, you know, I'm. I, yeah, I, you, you got to understand Terry game, you know, he's a huge fan of like flair and you know, the Harley races and all these guys that were traditional wrestlers and, you know, and then he gets there and, uh, you know, he's got to spike his hair and put red paint in it and, you know, he wasn't digging (laughs) it. If he would have embraced it, he would have made a lot of money with it though. He really would have. Vince, that's how Vince is, but. I was very fortunate. Terry was my very first opponent on the road in WWE. Oh. That was before there was a NXT or an FCW developmental system. So you just went out and had matches on house shows. That's how you learned.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know,
1: so. Do you think that's better because you're working in front of different crowds at every house show instead of like, like full sale? They might run into that like TNA, definitely. Like, oh, these are all the same people, so they're always going to same
3: change. week after week in and week out. And the people get used; to, they get very, you know, everybody gets in their comfort zone and who they like, and you know, and crowds vary from town to town. And that was something that that you learned when when you you know were on the road, you know, what what might work in one town is going to be a little different. You know, people's psychology of people is the same pretty much, you know, throughout the world. It's different a little bit, but um, still, there are you know little nuances from in different markets, you know. So you learn those things as you go. But yeah, I hope I hope. uh, Well, not that I hope. I know Finn Balor will be just fine. He'll be great. And you know, and this is a time to really do some learning. Mm-hmm. You know, some of your best learning comes when you're hurt.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So, well, if anyone's going to take advantage of it in that way, it would be him. Yeah. For sure. Thank you guys for breaking down this week's X-Pac 12360 news with me. I am your Afterbuzz TV managing editor and chief correspondent of our Afterbuzz TV Pro Wrestling News Division and we will be right back with Lanny Poffo on X-Pac 12360. Stay tuned. from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of one man's midlife crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Magrasso, here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right?
1: Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means.
5: Welcome back to X Pac 12360. And now, this is the story of Leaping Lanny, known also as the genius to many. Tagging with brother Randy is how he started in this game. He was one of the first to moonsault before it even had a name. Reciting poems and throwing frisbees into the stands, he bled all over at the battle royal after a hit from a giant man. Now a motivational speaker and author, he is quite witty. Please welcome Lanny Poffo to XBox One Two Three Sixty. All right!
4: Oh, wow!
2: Yeah!
4: <laughs> hey, Lanny. Um, Christy, did
5: you make that up? I certainly did, just for you.
4: Wow! I'm so honored. and... Uh, I cannot tell you how proud I am that you did that for me. Thank you so much. And you well, we even had rhythm welcome. and rhyme and everything. It was pretty damn good, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Was <laughs> I thought it was
5: time someone does that for you.
4: Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's overdue. Now, but it, but now the interview is getting up to a bad start because I'm crying.
3: Aww. Oh, no. <laughs> Lanny, how What's are it? you? It's so, it's so, I'm so happy you
4: came on the show, man. It's so good well, to talk to you. 50- there's, first of all, they're tears of joy, which is better than the other kind. And uh, am, I'm doing very well. I'm going to be 62 years old coming up in December 28th. And um, that means in 38 years, I will be 100. <laughs> and and um, does anybody habla Espanol?
5: No, no, no. I, don't, I don't think. Do you habla Espanol, Sean?
4: Si, sí, uh, yo habla Espanol.
3: Okay, I'm going to be an abuelo. Oh, oh, yeah.
5: Oh, I know oh, that word.
3: Felicidad. Felicidad. Uh, muchas gracias. Oh, um, I'm gonna be. he's going to be um, a grandfather. In, yeah. In, in, in March, I'm going to have a niño. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah.
4: Is that I'm your first child.
3: one? The
5: it's first grandchild?
4: Oh,
5: wow. wow.
3: I,
4: I only have one daughter, and she's only going to have one boy. <laughs> so, wow. this
3: is it. Is that... Is it, would that be... um that, I was gonna say, so your your mom and dad that would be their um, that would be their only great
4: grandchild. That's it. yes. Oh, and uh, of course, my mom is going to be ninety January the twenty eighth, wow. and she is so pumped up because you know now she's after saying goodbye to her husband of sixty one years. Yeah. And of course, her firstborn male child here, yeah, you know, yeah. finally. After saying goodbye so much, she finally gets to say hello. So it's a very positive, wonderful, beautiful thing.
3: Amazing. And your mom, oh, my God, she was so good to me when I was starting in wrestling, Lanny. Oh, and your father, too. Matter of fact, I'm not sure if I ever told you the story. I've told it a bunch of times. But my very first pair of wrestling boots were your brother's. The yellow ones with the white stars on the side. And the the yellow knee pads deal with it because I couldn't (laughs) afford new ones. So,
4: yeah, pretty cool. I wish I still had those. Well, <laughs> it's funny, you know, those are the memories that you're blessed with. Because when you first start out, you remember the people that were nice to you. And, you know, the, um, I, I look back on my career. I started in 1973. Um, Thunderbolt Patterson befriended me. Wow. And I thought it was what a fantastic. And, you know, when I hear people knocking them, I, I get angry. Because I said, that guy went out of his way to help me out. And you know, give me confidence and teach me. And it's uh, and I, I just hope I could do that for some young wrestlers someday. Sure.
3: And Thunderbolt Patterson, uh, for a lot of people that that don't know, was was a black wrestler back in the seven.
4: Was it the the late '60s too? For for yeah, he was. He he made a lot of uh, success for himself in Australia, Texas. You know, uh, back when things were just territories. Yeah, was he um, was he, he was in was Australia
3: concerned. for for um, for Jim uh, Jim Barnett? Jim Barnett, my I can't believe I had a brain fart on that. <laughs>
4: my my boy, my boy, <laughs> I, I can't forget, can't believe you forgot me, but my boy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and he made uh, did very well for, in Charlotte, in Atlanta. You know, where he was like a demigod. Yes, he was, and so, he had uh,
3: amazing he had amazing uh, mic skills.
4: Wow, he sure did. And, uh, you know, we'd be in the car and he'd teach me things. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that I was able to, you know, adapt to everything he taught me, but uh, it, it certainly got my, you know, it got me thinking of it in the right direction. It's like, how can I, because uh, he told me that it's more important to be unique than it is to be good. And he's right. Because, yes. He's and, right. Uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> but Mark, you know, if I, had a, if I had an eyeball in the center of my head and took a picture, you know, I think Vince would be interested right now. One of the things I remember,
3: one uh, of the things I remember, t Bolt uh, he would do his promos on TV and he'd get so flustered, he'd go, I can't see that on television. And I used to think ah, that ah, was so cool. You remember that, Lanny? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, God. I
4: can't even hey, I can't even say what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was, uh... and then uh, Dusty Rhodes took a lot of the shtick, you know. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, the thing is we all steal from each other. We, you know, like, Christy, thank you for saying I was the moonsault inventor, but I invented it the moment after I saw Tiger Mask do it on a videotape. <laughs>
3: Isn't that how well, it always that's... works? We always are inspired by somebody else, I think.
4: And i tell you what, I never, ever did it as well as he did anyway. But um, because I was a lot of people's first moonsault they ever saw, they thought I invented it. And, um, no, I. uh, the only thing that was original about me was the poetry. The poetry. It was great.
1: I don't know if anybody else had Frisbees as merchandise either. I think you might have been the first one. Well, even
4: that gimmick, even I stole that gimmick from Al Costello. Now, Uh, One of the the kangaroos, yep.
1: Oh, because of the boomerangs.
4: Yeah, that's it. He would bring up him and his partner, Roy Hepperman, and then finally Don Kent later on. What about Wild Red Uh, Barry? Yeah, he was the manager, and what a fantastic on-the-microphone-scale guy he was. Wow. And uh, what they did, um, they they brought boomerangs into the ring that were actually carved by an aborigine. And then they had little cardboard ones, and they threw that to the audience. Well, the reason I know that is because Randy and I were in the audience. Oh, and wow, we, yeah. you know, so we would fight for the um, boomerangs and, you know, guess who won all the time? Him. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> where,
3: where were you in yeah. the audience when, when, the, when the kangaroos were, were in the ring,
4: Nanny? Uh, where was I? Yeah. Um, whatever town they were in. You know, like uh, my father was working for Vince McMahon Sr.
3: Okay.
4: At the same time the kangaroos were around, you know. So we go to the matches. They throw the boomerangs. It's exciting. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, I, I tried, first I tried scrolls, poetry, scrolls, well, you know, and then I tried to throw those that didn't even make it past the guardrail.
2: Yeah.
4: And, oh. <laughs> and then I said, well, what could I use that's going to get some distance? And then I said, Frisbees, and I'll put a poem on the Frisbee. And, um, hey, yeah, good thing I was never sued or hurt anybody. I was going right. to ask you that. <laughs> it's like a Larry.
3: message in a bottle might have, have you, killed
1: someone. Have you,
3: ever, have you ever thrown one to the crowd and... Whack somebody upside Nassau? the head
1: with it?
4: <laughs> no, because, you know, they, they're they not really weapons. They kind of like soar and then they float. Yeah. But what happened was um, in uh, Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, Long Island, um, I don't know if that place is still around, but I think the Islanders played hockey there. Um, I threw a Frisbee out and like a, a, a small guy was going to catch it and then a big fat guy knocked him over. And I, I said, I said rut-row, I think we're in trouble. Yeah. So I found the kid that got knocked down, and uh, I appeased him with uh, um, several Frisbees. And, uh, you know, I spent some time with him, and I brought him backstage, introduced him to a few of the wrestlers, got some autographs, and then I had to just breathe a sigh of relief that this wasn't going to be litigated. No doubt. <laughs> hey, were there, were, were there a copy of
3: your poem? on, on each Frisbee that you threw out.
4: Yeah, there was a, there was a generic poem that I wrote. And then, um, when I would read the poem, I would flip it over and it would be on a piece of paper in the Frisbee, um, the actual poem for the evening. So, um, of course now I have an iPhone and things are much easier.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Lanny, but you know, going backwards quite a bit, uh, you know, people know that uh, Randy was a uh, was a baseball player, and that before he got into wrestling. Uh, what was your athletic background? Because obviously, you're a hell of an athlete. Were you into gym- gymnastics? Were you a gymnast at all?
4: Yeah, but not great. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um uh, <clears throat> First of all, uh, you remember Mary Lou Retton? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, I actually did a poem for her. Um, she was in 1984. Uh, first, I think she's the first American to win the, the gold. Uh, gymnastics yeah. uh, gold medal. Of course, you know, <clears throat> so in 19, before that, like I was about eight years old and um, my parents had some friends, Carl and Louise Engstrom. They had a place in Oak Park, Illinois called Engstrom School of the Dance. And Carl Engstrom is the guy that broke my father into the wrestling business. Oh, wow. So, They were, I mean, we were friends forever. And since they had a, you know, a studio, um, they, they put Brandy and I in class with gymnastics. Brandy lasted two weeks. I liked it. I stayed. And, um, so I competed in gymnastics for two years from eight years old through 10. And then I realized that I was not getting any better. You know, I had reached a level and, um, I was already, and I had the wrong body type for a gymnast anyway.
2: Yeah, so what I
4: did was I continued my gymnastics, you know, on the lawn or in the living room or whatever. But I never competed anymore. So, you know, it's like um, I realized that I wasn't going to get any better.
3: So any, any amateur?
4: Like a, I'm
3: sorry. Yes, man, Any amateur wrestling when you guys were kids?
4: Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what. I was an amateur wrestler in high school, and I wasn't great, but I was very, very good. And uh, the thing about it, Randy never wrestled, and he, um, he wrestled. Uh, I wrestled in high school. He didn't. He played basketball right. and football and, and baseball. And um, even though I was a wrestler and he wasn't, even when I weighed 230 pounds and he weighed 180, uh, maybe 170 when he just got out of baseball... We went upstairs to the mats, and he beat me at wrestling. And I said, I can't believe it. I've dedicated my uh-huh. life to wrestling, and he beat me. What do you and think? Did... I, didn't feel, I... I didn't feel so bad when uh, he wrestled Bob Roop, who was in the 1968 Olympics. And, um, and he beat Randy actually beat Bob Roop. Of course, Roop was out of shape by then. You know, oh. so there's always some excuse.
3: Was that when, you know, was that when Bob, Bob worked for your dad? Yeah, I I I heard Bob tell a story about some challenge for like for pe- for the people in the in the crowd to get out of the
4: sugar hole, and your dad had to pay up. Yeah. Is that true? That's right. <laughs> That's right. They, uh, I wasn't there that night, but it was in Frankfort, uh, Kentucky. And I'll tell you what, I actually met the guy that got out. You know, when you put the sugar on somebody, if they're skinny, yeah. they have a chance to get out more. You see, but if they're if they're kind of fat or muscular, they're kind of stuck. You know that's one thing where you—it's like getting out of the noose. Yeah. So, um, but I wrestled Bob Roop several times in the locker room, and he beat me every time.
3: Well, he's an Olympic wrestler, for Christ's sake. <laughs> what is
4: the? Yeah, he's an Olympic wrestler, a, but he lost to the amazing. Macho Man. Wow, that's
3: impressive,
4: man. Holy shit. <laughs> you see, Randy had Randy had athletic. He was athletically gifted. Yeah. He was gifted in many ways, but I mean his quickness and he had tendon strength. So even before he built his physique. You know, he had the time when he grabbed you. Um, you know that was that was it. Uh, now, if I grab you, Sean, uh, you can get out. Oh come on! <laughs> <Mary>. <laughs> if he if he, get, if he grabs you, you're kind of you kind of through for the evening. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember uh,
3: shaking his hand and you know feeling the grip there. And you know, people like everybody knows it's it's legendary that that uh, that Randy was like the most intense guy walking. You know. He was uh well i'll tell you what i'm
4: going to say um not as much as chris benoit uh
3: well that's i kind of apples and oranges though really
4: well i'm just saying when they say he's intense yeah what does that mean you know he was never um he was never arrested he was never uh he never you know he was he had a pretty clean record and then um his autopsy report you know is. um there was nothing in there to be, um, you know, to be noticed. Right. You know, it was like a ventricular fibrillation at the age of 58, which is about the year it happens. So yeah. I know apples and oranges, but you see, here's where, see, the thing is I'm a little sensitive to that thing intense. because. Uh, okay. Um, Did you see the DVD the Macho Man WWE? No, I didn't. I didn't. The any...
1: most recent one that you did with them?
4: The one that uh, WWE put out. Yeah. And, you know, there were just some people that were, um, let's just put it this way, speaking ill of the dead.
3: Oh, really? Now,
4: well, I'm just going to say that, um, like, for example, I'm a one-time loser in the marriage game, so I don't go around giving marital advice. (laughs) Right. You know, it's a good so, policy um, to
3: have.
4: Yeah, but the thing is, they had um, they had people that had been married and divorced like two or three times. They were on there saying that Randy locked Elizabeth in the locker room. I happen to know this is false because I was there. Yeah. You see what I mean? First of all, Elizabeth didn't want to be taking a shower with Brian Knotts. Oh God. <laughs>
3: Do we have to bring his name up right now, Lanny? <laughs> yes, I
4: needed to bring it up because oh, um, the thing is, put yourself in her shoes. Yeah, she didn't. You know, she was these these wrestlers um, were not the Boy Scouts. They were That's using right. people's um, suitcases for toilets. Sure, you see what I mean?
2: Yeah.
4: And some guys were up to skullduggery and no good no goodery. So, um, trust me, she didn't want to be hanging around. And that was one of that was one of the uh, caveats that Randy insisted on before bringing Elizabeth into the arena.
2: Sure,
4: And she had her own locker room? And then whenever Cindy Lauper or Fabulous Moolah or any girl came to the WWE, they would always use Elizabeth's locker room. So it really wasn't that mysterious. And yet, I, but I'll tell you, Sean, watch the DVD, and you'll see the word. Intense, brought up a lot, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying, um, was he intense? Well, he was motivated. You know, let's put it this way, I I should be so intense. I
3: was that. That was that was what I meant by it. Was just like working with him, being like, knowing like I teamed with him at, at Survivor Series, and just how he approaches his matches, and you know, and 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 just how he approaches his business, or how he did, you know, that was that was the intensity I was talking about.
4: That's what, I, that's what I figured, and I'm glad you clarified that. Because, but the word intent came up several times on the DVD. Yeah. Please watch it. And if, you, if you've already seen it, watch it again for the first time, and you'll see that, you know, okay. But anyway, yes, I'm glad we cleared that up because, uh, yeah. you know, it's such a beautiful day, and let's stay positive. But, yeah, uh, for some, sure.
1: Something I really enjoyed in this DVD was when you explained where the ooh-yeah came from. Came from.
4: That came from Pampero Furpo. oh yeah,
1: wow, it,
3: <laughs> it is yeah. I,
4: it is me yeah.
1: that, that
4: <laughs> do you was remember great. John That's... do you remember Pampero Furpo?
3: I do, and I met him in San Francisco at WrestleMania weekend that uh the other year. It was pretty cool, yeah he did I, not look I, like Pampiro the... Furpo anymore, though <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs> no, he uh, got a haircut, but uh i was I was the guy that got him in, you know, like uh, we've been friends for the family for years, yeah, and um. He's actually um, Armenian, and uh, he was uh, he was raised in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, and he speaks eight languages. Wow. And uh, so, when my brother was struggling with the interview, believe it or not, as soon as he got in the ring, he was excellent. Um, but he didn't. They said he was too skinny. Uh, great work, too skinny. Yeah. So he worked on his physique and the next thing you know he's a great worker with a great physique bad interview and he actually came to me and said um, he feels like he's having anxiety attacks over his interviews is there anything I can do to help him with the interview so I said um, well since you're going to be named savage and since, since you're going to wrestle like a savage and you're going to have a hair like a savage who is the best savage type interview you've ever seen and he says he thought about it for about a minute and he says it's a cross between Pampero Purple and Curtis Iakea
3: oh wow King King Curtis yeah those were some that makes a lot of sense now that you said that because
4: Curtis's his promos were really out there but I'll tell you something Sean and uh, I'm going to put a little caveat on that you're a younger man than me, and if you didn't see Curtis in 1967, you probably only saw him in, like, 1989 or 90, right? Well,
3: I saw him in the early 80s a bit, too, but, I mean, that's when most people saw him. You're right.
4: You're right, Randy. Well, I saw him at his peak, and this was in Hawaii.
3: Right.
4: Um, I was 12 years old. Randy was 14, and I told Randy, remember when uh, they did a station identification you are the watching number one station in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. So I told Randy, why don't you do that? And he goes, You are watching the number one station in Hawaii. Ooh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah.
4: I said, Oh, my God, that's it. You've got it. You've got it. Yeah. And believe it or not, Sean, within a month, he went from zero to hero. He went from worst to first. He became the greatest interview in the business. It took him one month from that one breakthrough. Now, you know, like I say, I don't take credit for it because he went right to the bathroom mirror and started practicing his interviews. And then he developed a personality that nobody's going to forget ever.
3: Wow, yeah. Ever, (laughs) ever. You're right about that. And
1: you really developed a character that no one will ever forget with the robe and the poetry. And, like, you were so different than him that like i remember being a kid and finding out you were brothers and that was like before the internet and you could just look it up and it was like rumors that kids told each other and it was like oh you know the Macho man and the Genius are really brothers and it's like no they're not you know they one's yeah. a bad guy and one's a good guy they wouldn't be brothers you know like it's just so crazy
4: so hey landy and then you learn that, and then you learn the good guys weren't that good and the bad guys weren't so bad yeah.
3: <laughs> so hey landy going back to um to the ICW promotion of your father's. What year did that start? Started in
4: 1979, 1979.
3: And and I think you guys closed up shop in about
4: 83, 84. No, we closed up shop in 85 because, um, when Randy got the nod to go to the WWE, um, which was WWF at the time. That's when we decided to close up shop. And, uh,
3: so it was um that's the story yeah. So when I was from So when uh yes. when you when y'all did the angle where you invaded uh Memphis uh the CWA or whatever the hell it was called at the time uh you guys were still running your promotion when you were doing that? That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow, really? That was mm-hmm. amazing stuff at the time. That that was the cool like okay when, when I was in DX, we invaded WCW. We rode a tank down there and, you know, did all that. But, like, before that, that stuff with randy, you know, invading uh, uh, Memphis Wrestling was, like, the coolest thing ever.
1: Was that
3: the whole thing with Bill Dundee and all that? Well, Lawler. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I was... The reason why I brought the ICW up, because it was such a cool promotion for me, for me. I got to see it, Lanny, when, um, you know, when I was just starting out in wrestling down in Florida... Um, I don't know how it happened, but the ICW tapes ended up on ch- on cable channel nine in St. Pete, and so I got to see them back then, in like the in the late '80s, not that long after you guys closed shop. So I got to see, um, and I was starving for any kind of wrestling because all I all I saw was like WWF, AWA, and then like you know the Gordon Soly stuff from Florida. So any any different kind of wrestling, Lanny, I was so into. And, uh, we have, like, I have a video right now right, waiting to play of you versus Crusher Broomfield from ICW, and, uh, people don't know, uh, but Crusher Broomfield would go on to be called one-man gang later. That's right. And you're, you're locking up with him right now, and you're in the studio, it looks like it holds about 50 people,
4: tops. That's right. It was, uh, yeah, that, you're right, um... It was, I can't remember, uh, ABC Studios in Lexington, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, a lot of great wrestling happened. And uh, I saw a lot of my brother's creativity came out as a booker. Yeah. You know, he was, he actually, and he had a phenomenal uh, attitude toward the wrestling business. Um, He felt that um, if you didn't give your all, you're no better than a shoplifter. Or a pickpocket. Because if the fans pay money to see wrestling, they better see the best show you can give them. And uh, he didn't appreciate these real fat heels that would uh, reach into their tights, pull out a gimmick, and scratch your eyes <laughs> and hide it from the referee and call that the. And you know, which would be okay if that's just some of the things you did. Right. But if that was all you had, he thought you didn't belong in the ring. You yeah. know, that. The fans demanded more action than that. He wanted to prove, he had a chip on his shoulder, that a wrestler was a great athlete, and he wanted to show that.
3: Sure. So, there were so many cool guys that that came in and out of ICW. Even my teacher, the great Malenko, came through there. You had Rip Rogers, Ron Garvin, Pez Watley. Jesus, I could just go on and on, really. And you were the you were you were the top baby face there, weren't you, pretty much? I would say Ronnie
4: Garvin was. Okay. And uh I was but I was up there as the promoter's son. You
3: know, like yeah, I but that's a, important I though, Lanny. That's important. Like was, if your top baby face screws off, I mean, at least they can count on you.
4: I was the George Goulas of the Territory. Come on, <laughs> don't do that to yourself, Ranny. You're no George
3: Gulas. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever work for Nick Goulas? Yes, I worked for Nick Goulas for two years. Uh, I was curious about that. Curious. Yeah. Is his rep is the reputation deserved?
4: Um. Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> here's, the, here's the. The uh, Tom Ernesto was the booker, and he right. was always a friend of the family. And, um, I was on a guarantee. And when I say guarantee, I mean the minimum was the maximum, right? So, um, I was just doing fine. I was happy there and I certainly did love the area, but, um, if I was working per diem or, you know, just on the house, um, it wouldn't have been good at all. Right. But, um, so I was, I was, um, it was two years both well spent there and I enjoyed it
3: Yeah.
4: and, um, Didn't make the newspaper for, you know, car wrecks or whatever. Sure.
3: So, but uh, as far as ICW, uh, you guys kind of had a reputation as being the outlaw promotion, didn't you?
4: Yeah, that's that's the reputation. Of course, you know, um, I had absolutely... See, I was... When you say my father was a promoter, that's true. But um, I was one third investor, one thirty-three percent in the pie chart.
2: Yeah,
4: <clears throat> that was that's how it began. You know, I put up one third of the money, Randy, and then my father, and then we were we were in it together. It certainly wasn't my idea, but being the youngest in the family, I went along with things and right. did my very best. Now I was in charge of promos. I was the guy, believe it or not. I painted a green screen, and cooperated with the studio. To put color slides so that we could talk in front of a green screen and, instead of you know like the, the weatherman. Sure. Back in 1979, that was a huge thing. Yeah. So uh, nowadays, you know, it's uh, that's not so high tech, but it was then. And then I uh, I was in charge of the photography. I was in charge of the writing because I am a writer, and of the, the uh, what do you call the uh, programs and things, the merchandise. I found a company that would make. Um, lithographs of black and white pictures for six cents a piece and then we sell them for a dollar and that's uh, 94% profit which yeah. is a good deal <laughs>
2: that is truly genius
4: <laughs> yes uh, and then uh, what was really great um, if a guy didn't sell my, <laughs> we would put him in grab bags yeah I had some of those go. grab
3: bags Lanny Speaking of
4: which, <laughs> and then Pez Watley would make fun of you and say, "You just went to the grab bag. Yeah. you felt know, like, you didn't sell." Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, but, you know, Pez. You know, Pez was one of the great uh, interviews in the country. I thought he was great.
3: I loved it when he had the mop, the the wig on. That was pretty good. Stuff. Oh yeah,
4: that was fun. <laughs>
3: people are people are listening to this or watching right now and going, I "Wonder what they're talking about." But you can go look all this yeah. stuff up after the fact, and go and, and watch the stuff that, that we're talking about here. It's all classic
5: stuff. Well, you guys are giving them better insight than they'll get anywhere uh, yeah. else anyway.
4: Yeah. but Manny, well, I- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. I don't know what the funniest thing that ever happened to you, but one time I almost died laughing. was I was on a trip, um, there was this guy, Big Willie Monroe, must have weighed 600 pounds. He was an African-American gentleman, and when you got in your car, uh, your shock absorbers were all messed up. Okay? Yeah. And uh, so Pez decided to get on his case. (laughs) So we're in the car, and uh, he a Big Will. That's Pez. Big Will. He says, How much do you weigh? He says, I weigh 400 pounds. And he says, Damn. He says, Only Andre the giant is bigger than you. He says, Well, I'm going to have to cut down on salt. (laughs) Cut down on salt down on a salt. You better do better than that. He says, um, because you don't got to go to the big man store. You got to go to the real big MF store. <laughs> so for some reason, I thought that was funny and I couldn't stop laughing forever. I still think that's funny because you have to, you have to be with Ted. He was like merciless, you know, just, you know, and I know that you don't know the name of the joker and the jokey, you know, um, Christy and Jimbo, you don't know those names, but trust me. You know when you're in the car, you got to have your fun. Oh, you know you got to have got to have a few laughs, otherwise it's just boring.
3: Oh, for sure. And hey, Pez was Pez was hell of a powerhouse too. He
4: was like a powerlifting
3: champion at one time.
4: That's right. He was uh, he was a great amateur wrestler at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And he was a powerlifter. He won many uh, events. an amateur powerlifting, I'm sure I, I can't give you the numbers of what he squat deadlifted and benched, but uh, it was a hell of a total was amazing,
3: yeah. It was incredible. And the guy could get up he was a he was he wasn't a tall guy and he was pretty wide, but he could get up for a drop kick like no one I ever seen back then.
4: Amazing. That's true. And then he did a, a semi back flip on top of it. He did kick and then he'd arch yeah. and then he kinda of landed his um and, you know, it's like uh, that was very athletic for back then.
3: Yeah, Lanny, um, can you explain to people that are listening to that that aren't familiar? I was talking about the, you know, how ICW is considered by a lot of other promoters to be like an outlaw promotion. Then weren't 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 uh, some of the guys blackballed for coming and working for you guys. Is that true? Or false? Yeah,
4: that's true. Um the thing is outlaw is just an expression exactly um like for example pizza um you got well, i don't even know what you have now uh, you got little Caesars, you got uh shaky's pizza you got pizza Huts, or you got domino's yeah and they could all be on the same block and may, may the best pizza win see the the pre-market capitalism decides who's the best pizza that's not outlaw. That's the American way. Right. But somehow in wrestling, they divided up the territories of the uh, of North America, and they say, "Okay, we'll promote this. You can't do that. We'll do this. We can't do that." And it's, but what we did was, we just went ahead and encroached on everybody's territory. That's the outlaw. Okay. Way before now, Vince did it. What's <laughs> that? Way before Vince did it. Well, the thing is, Vince won. Yeah. You know, he's like he—he he beat them. You know, he uh, what was like the best story? He, he offered Vern Gagne two point one million dollars to buy the American Wrestling Association, and Vern said no. And so he went right to the TV studios and right to the buildings, and then he got um, the Crusher and Mad Dog Deshaun and uh, Jack all the Lanza man, a lot of guys, yeah. yeah. Bobby Heenan, uh, one by one, he found out that the loyalty Vern had wasn't all that loyal.
3: Right.
4: See what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and then about a year later, Vern said, maybe I will sell it. And says, well, you don't have anything anymore. That's right. You know what I mean? So he should have, but the very thing that made Vern great is what ruined him. You know, the, his athletic, um, persistence, but he should have just said, um, uh, $2.1 million sounds like a pretty good retirement plan.
3: I guess so, Lanny. I mean, and, and really, uh, <laughs> like, like, like you were saying, Vince just, he said, okay, you don't want to sell, I'll just come in anyways. He was just trying to be
4: nice and respectful. I'll tell you what, um, everybody asks me what kind of a guy is Vince McMahon. Um First of all, I laughingly refer to myself as a genius. That guy is a genius, not me. I mean, I just, I just enjoy poetry. He's the genius. And I'll tell you what. They say you can't have balls and brains together. I think he has both.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't you know, I don't know who says that, but it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah you, I don't... Because if you have balls, you means you have no brains. If you have brains, you have no balls. Right. So I think he's got both. He um, sure does. Big old balls. Big old brains, too. Oh, my God. I, I wouldn't... For example, I would never... Um, take the risk that he takes, and then Shane McMahon uh, in Dallas, did he not throw himself off of a steel cage uh onto a table? He did I was there, and i it,
3: that really upset me. I'm gonna be honest with you Lanny when I saw that when I saw him just standing there before he even jumped i like my I just had this pit in my stomach. I'm not gonna lie to you i I, I started tearing up like I was really that concerned for him, you know.
4: I'll tell you what, though. Um, see, gravity is real. Yeah, it and, is. Uh, and I don't, I am, listen, I know we've been joking around, but please take this in the right way. I'm not being disrespectful because I love Owen Hart. Yeah. But it, it wasn't, it was any further up. I think it was Owen Hart distance. You know what I mean? Yeah. You cannot take it. You can't take that fall. Yes, you're you you're not meant to take that fall. Yeah, right? I, don't I don't think anybody's taking
3: what you're saying the wrong way, Lanny. You, it's true. Like how much higher could he run and and still made it?
4: <laughs> I mean, well, the thing is, what happened to Owen Hart was a horrible accident. Yeah. Um, but this here was an intentional stunt, and I think it to myself. You know, as much as I love money. There was no money that would get me to even try to climb the cage, let alone jump off of it. Yeah, but, I, I know, can't even relate because
3: I have—I that, have a fear of heights. It. I have a huge fear of heights, Lanny. So I mean, I uh, yeah, I get—I start cringing just thinking about
1: it. What do you think oh. about Jeff Hardy wanting to come back and top that jump at WrestleMania, and oh, like his know. last WrestleMania moment and Huron WWE? I don't know. Do <laughs> you think they they
4: let that happen? Well, uh, say- I uh, I am not even in that. Um, I don't see. I can't knock a guy that wants to do something. You know, um, I have little projects that I enjoy doing. You know, and um, but I I don't know. Do you remember the Snake River Canyon jump by Evel Knievel? Hell yes!
3: Yeah. Hell yes! The guy that made what. the guy that made his rocket was was the guy that cast me in in my first movie, named oh. Kai Michelson, the Rocket Man. Anyways, really? yeah,
4: of course. I mean, I remember it was nineteen seventy four, and um, I went to the Atlanta Auditorium, um, and I had some friends with me, and it was ten dollars to get in, and I, I remember when uh, David Frost, I think his name was, was... The guy that, the, the, guy that
3: inter- the guy that interviewed uh, Nixon?
4: Yes. Yeah, David Frost, yeah. And uh 10, 9, 8, and when he got to 3, 2, 1, <laughs> everybody was holding hands. Like, oh, no, <laughs> like, whoa, you know, boom. And then, of course, the shoot opened early and everything, but, uh, see, I belong in the audience, not in the rocket. Yeah.
3: Were you now? When the shoot opened early, were, what was the feeling like? The overall feeling in, in the building when everybody was watching was it a big
4: letdown? Well, everybody was confused because they didn't know what they were looking at. Yeah. Okay, and um, they kept the announcing was so good. They said, "Unless he hits the rock, the rock." And, you know, oh my goodness, he's hit the rock. And then next thing you know, Evo comes out, and then. A few people felt gypped or wanted a refund, but uh, I thought it was, like, the greatest show I'd ever seen.
3: Oh, wow, really? Um,
4: cool. Yeah, they'd even, they even had preliminary things of daredevils, like about five preliminary acts of, you know, different people that do daredevil work. Yeah. And then the main event of the evening, and the way they promoted it, um, I don't see how you can want a refund. Yeah. I...
3: Well, obviously, I wasn't around, uh, or I, I don't remember when it happened, but I just remember watching, and and, uh, and I don't know. It was like you said, I was a little bit confused as a kid, and I and I also thought that it was the Grand Canyon that he was jumping, not Snake. <laughs> <ever. laughs> for some reason, I had that in my head for
4: for a lot of years. Yeah, Evil Evil yeah. jump the Grand Canyon. Well, no, but. Yeah, I was I was just at the Grand Canyon, and there's this um, glass uh, walkway. Yes. And I think I'll pass. I'm going <laughs> on that. No, thanks. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I did, I did it, but it took me about 10 minutes to get, you know, 10 minutes of ridicule.
2: Uh, you
4: know what I mean? Hey. First, and, and then I just uh, inched along and finally I realized, you know, this is okay. But there was a, I mean, it's safe. It just looks dangerous. Yeah. Um, I forgot even what they call it, but there's a, they built this glass thing and it holds tons and tons of weight.
5: I can't so believe wrong. that that you guys find that daunting at all with everything that you oh, both have you done in the me? ring. That's
3: that's unbelievable. It that scares the living crap out of me. Hey, uh, Landy, I, I want to go back a little bit because I have this picture and it's up now, and it's of uh, it's of Buddy Rogers, yourself, Randy, and and your father, and all you guys. Are in amazing shape, but I think like your father and, and Buddy are in the
4: best shape of anybody <laughs> in the picture.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, the only the only thing I regret about that picture is um, it was a little silhouetted. as with the you know if the sun would have been on the you know shining directly on us, that would have been better. But um, we were so excited to meet Buddy Rogers, you know, and uh, the guy that arranged everything was George Scott.
3: Oh it yeah, was George. His wife
4: that took the picture, and George Scott was there. And I'm tell you what, we spent the day together, and uh, I had the lousiest tan of the group. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I suffered the most. Uh, if you can see in my face, I was having zinc oxide on my nose and eyes yeah. and the sunglasses, yeah. and then my chest was peeling after that. You know, because I'm a I'm a albino compared to sure. Buddy Rogers, and my father was, you know is. Uh, you know, very Italian uh, skin, swarthy looking. Yeah. So, um, that Buddy Rogers, he is so entertaining. He is so fun to be with. And he died about a year later from that picture. Wow. So, I well, bet you he
3: looked amazing until the day he died, huh?
4: I'll tell you what, you know, it's hard to explain it to people. He had a broken nose that was all over his face, he had cauliflower ears that yeah. were all this way and that way and yet with all of that going for him he was impossibly handsome like yeah. when you looked at him he and here I he hadn't been on TV in like 20 years or more and he still looked like the main eventer, and I and I look like I fell out of a cat ass.
3: <laughs> you're right about the tans. You're the like you're the whitest one in the picture.
4: <laughs> I know. And and if you could if you could see me now, I'm even whiter. Uh, you know, I just like I avoid the sun and I hide from it. Yeah. But, I, uh, like
3: looking at this picture and and thinking of your father brings me back to like when I first started going and seeing your dad on shows. Uh, and he would sell those grab bags for a dollar and it would have several <laughs> pictures in there. Like, you know, before um well I'll get to the one man gang thing. But uh you know one of the pictures was the Ripley's believe it or not, Victor, what your dad back then, you know, uh six thousand and thirty three consecutive sit ups. I think that was a world record at the time, right?
4: Yes it was.
5: That's really cool. how how did
4: that come about, Larry? Well the most um he was in the Navy, and he was on, he, you know, he was in San Diego, and they had, um, you know, it was 1945, July 4th. I'll tell you what, um, in case he's ever inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, which is, I, in advance of that, I wrote this poem, which I'll give to you now. Oh, wow, really? Um, it was back in 1945 on Independence Day that Nazis had surrendered. Japan was on its way. My dad was in the Navy, as history will tell, as he was bleeding through the mats, a world record fell. He did 6,000 sit-ups with an extra 33 to glorify his Savior, who died on Calvary. And Robert Ripley's teacher celebrated this event, giving credence to successes, not an accident. That's always been his motto through times both good and bad. He's a real Hall of Famer and the world's greatest dad. Wow. Now, oh.
3: Man, I got goosebumps world- right now, Lanny, from oh listening God, to that. Oh, bad. that was
4: awesome. Man. Now, thank you. And uh, when I, when I um, Christy and Jimbo, I don't know if you're aware, but um, you sound pretty young. <laughs> Robert Ripley is Ripley's Believe It or Not. And back before the internet and back before television and, you know, newspaper was it. It was newspaper or nothing. Um, And the largest syndicated uh, cartoon in all of the newspaper was Ripley's Believe It or Not. So he got himself on the Ripley's Believe It or Not for the sit-ups. And um, that was as famous as you could be. And he always used it in his publicity. That's why everybody says, why do you use the name Angelo Papo? And he said, because I was in Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, because he was famous as that, he could use, he always used it in his publicity for wrestling.
3: Cool.
4: So yeah, changing I, your name, ch- changing the name would be stupid. Yeah.
3: And, and, uh, I always remembered at the bottom to this day, it said Tante Salute, Angelo Pafo.
4: <laughs> you know what it means? Uh, not really. It's a little
3: different than Spanish.
5: What what does well, it mean,
4: Lenny? Okay, um. Tante salute is uh, many salutes. Uh, okay. Cool. Um, it's like it's like uh, it's an expression in Italian.
5: Okay. Um,
4: but I, I'll tell you what, when it, when they made me the genius, um, man, I'll tell you what, they put a memo out. This, but man, put a memo for all the guys at the TV. You know that was in your check, so everybody would get a check and they get a memo. So he says. Uh, in the form of a memo, which says, "Leaping Lanny is now the genius and will be referred to only as the genius." So I was late for TV, and then of course uh, the Bushwhackers, uh, Luke and Butch, were unmerciful. Hey genius, hey yay! Hey. And then um, so one of my first poems was bragging about my languages. You know, yeah. like um, I am the genius Lanny Papa, a title self-proclaimed. Yet who would dare to say I'm not appropriately named? I speak eleven languages. Escuchen por favor. Santana comes from Mexico. Yo hablo mas mejor. The French I speak is magnifique. They told me in Paris. My Italian's molto bene. I learned when I was three. I speak Latin and uh, I speak Latin, Greek, and Russian, Hebrew, and Portuguese. I speak Swedish, and Norwegian, and I'm learning Japanese. And then I went on and on. But um, I do have. The uh, iPhone uh, Translate app. Yeah. So that's the closest I ever like. I just had a Korean waitress. Yes. And I put something very nice about how pretty she was on there. Boom. And uh, not Donald Trumpish, very generally. Gotcha. And uh, know. <laughs> <don't want> to... <laughs> so she says, "Oh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you know, and everything." So, um, no, I don't speak eleven languages, but I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. I was wondering how many you actually spoke
3: cuz if you don't well, then took, you, you did a pretty good took, job of fooling
4: us. I took 2 years of high school Spanish and um I was in Ecuador for about a week and I got along very well but they speak a lot of English there anyway. But Wait. um I can ask, well, don't they start a oh, part of the baño? You know, where's the like bathroom? <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually, don't they start or baño is what they say, but we learned it before, before the quarter the quarter of the bath.
3: Lanny, um, you know, I, I was curious. It just kind of popped into my head. How did you end up with the with the interest in love for poetry?
4: Okay, there's two things that change. You know, it's amazing what happens in your life, right? Um, I was nine years old, and I was totally shy with girls. Yeah. And then um, I'm like, you know, I didn't know, I didn't have game. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I can relate to you on that one. Me neither. (laughs) Okay. So then, then my fifth grade teacher, she is, she just got out of college and she is gorgeous and she is wonderful and beautiful and she frightened the hell out of me. You know, like, I didn't know what to do about her. You know what I'm saying? I said, and then she smelled good. She smelled I just remember the the perfume. And um, so three days into it, I haven't said a word. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) A timid fool. But I knew I loved her. I didn't know anything else. And she says, Mr. Pato, I want to see you at 320.
2: Mm. and
4: right away I thought the worst like what did I do I haven't said a word since three years and yeah. so at 3.20 that's when class got out um, I go up to her very sheepishly gingerly you know full of trepidation I'm using big words because of the genius sure. it. Um, and then I was just scared of her and she says I said you went to see me and now name was held upon request she says Lanny Since since classes begun, I've had you do two papers. One, how I spent my summer vacation. And two, tell me a little bit about yourself. And yours were just wonderful. And I went, oh, man, I had never been noticed for anything besides sports in my life. And this was something not sports. And uh, my ego went crazy. And uh, if I were a dog my would have been wagging. oh yeah, I, I mean, and I said she likes me, she likes me for my writing, so I was like, um uh the the baby, you ain't seen nothing yet, right. and from then on, it was because she discovered my writing from then on i would I would pour my heart into whatever I wrote, and um, here's the thing then um, let's see. Right before my first book was published, Wrestling with Rhyme, we
2: have I ran into that her too.
4: again. I ran into her again, and I dedicated my my book to her, and um, and then we became friends. And uh, now she's seventy six years old. She's a grandmother, uh, going to be a great grandmother pretty soon. And um, now the other the other thing, and I didn't want to negate this. I did not mean to tell two stories. That's okay. But when I was wrestling in Nashville, um, a strange-looking, bald-headed man came up to me at the fairgrounds um, and said, "Hey, I've got an—I'm a big fan of yours. We've got an, you know, I've got people with me. I've got uh, nephews and everything. We're all going out to eat afterwards. Would you come with us because that you know you're our favorite wrestler?" And I didn't know who this guy was, but you know, it's a free meal, and um, I've got a—you know—I seemed like a kind of a strange man, but I didn't know who he was, and then. I'm talking to him, and it's Shel Silverstein. Do you know who I am? Yes. Do you know who oh that my is? gosh.
5: Yes. Wow.
4: <laughs> explain Explain it to people that might not know. Okay, well, first of all, I'm sitting there, you know, just being nice and everything. And um, working for Nick Goulis, I was a big fish in a little pond. It was just a territory, but I was, Time Ernesto was the booker, and, you know, he liked me. So. And I was already doing the interviews with poetry in it. You see what I mean? I always try to get the poetry in, sure, because uh, it was like um, it was part of me, and it was how I wanted to get over. It because I knew that, um, just like Thunderbolt Patterson said, it's better to be unusual than it is to be good. So, um, so I said, "Wait a minute, Shell Silverstein." the giving did you write the giving tree and he said yes and i said that's the most beautiful book i've ever read in my life wow and he did the illustrations too mm-hmm. and then um and then here's what happened we lost touch and then i had my divorce uh and i went to uh, i was in dominican republic and i was just um i was at a very big low part of my life um you know, because, you know, with my daughter and everything and the divorce and everything. Sure. Oh, my God, I was just miserable. And then I went. It's funny what happens, though. Then I go to Dominican Republic and I'm thinking to myself. What? Uh, what am I feeling sorry for myself for these people are absolutely they have no esperanza. They have no, no hope. hope, you know, yeah. it, and yet they have sonrisa. They have a smile. They're happier than I am. And I have everything, and they have nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, I should slap the hell out of myself for being ungrateful. Yeah. You see what I mean? I, just because I have a bad marriage or something, or I'm having a divorce with my daughter, or this and that, these people are happy with nothing. They that's have right. nothing, and they're happier than me, and that's wrong. I should be happier than everybody in the world. So, I get back to the. We're in Miami. And I recognized Shel Silverstein, but I wasn't sure it was him, because I'll tell you what, he looked terrible now. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, the years the had been murder on him. And um, so I, I got a little bit starstruck, you know, marking out. So yeah. I said, excuse me, but um, are you Shel Silverstein? He said, yes. I said, well, I used to be Lanny Popple, Leaping Lanny. Then I became the genius. My hair was different. Lanny, I know you. Don't worry about it. okay. And we sat down. We talked and talked and talked. And then I made a big mistake. I said, I've got an idea for a book. Would you Do you think it would be a good idea for this, 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 and this? <laughs> and, and he looked at me like I was... Um, he looked at me, and I. it was a bad look. Yeah. And he says, I thought you were a smart guy. <laughs> I thought... I guess I'll have to reclassify you.
3: <laughs> yeah. Did and you find out what he said, meant? <laughs> oh, what?
4: I said, what did I say? What did I do wrong? And I thought to him, I just, I just shut up and let him talk. And he says, and here we are in the middle of the Miami airport. And this is before, you know, the, uh, the September 11th, you know, this sure. is way before. Okay. So, you know, this is before you had to watch yourself at an airport. Um, but still, it's a public place. He says, do you mean to tell me that you feel something in your heart and you're asking me permission to write about it just because my name is Shell Epping Silverstein? Wow. He says, we got freedom of speech? Speak! And he screamed it. And when he screamed it, I said to myself, why is this crazy old man yelling at me? And, and then... I've come to realize he wasn't a crazy old man. I was a lazy young man, and he knew it. Mm. And that was his way to motivate me. Nice. So the only thing bad um, that I can say, I wrote a book about smoking, but it didn't get published till 2004. Unfortunately, Shel Silverstein died in 99. Right. Well,
3: I remember so, when, uh, you, when your Wrestling With Rhyme came out. That was, in like, that was in the late 80s, like 88-ish, something like that, 89? 88, yes. yeah. 88.
4: But then uh, Limerick from the Heart and Lungs came out in 04. and uh, I'll tell you what, it would have meant so much more if he would have been alive, so I could say hi here. But um, what a great man he was, and what a fantastic impression he made on me. And um, if you haven't, please read the book The Giving Tree, or read the. And it, you, you don't have to buy it; it's on YouTube. Go on, look on YouTube and get The Giving Tree, and then it's like animated.
3: Right.
4: Um, and then, or where the sidewalk ends or light in the attic. And this man is phenomenal. And he really inspired me, you know, to do what I did in the ring. Nice. That's pretty cool.
2: That's,
5: That's an awesome story, yeah. Lanny.
4: It's an awesome two stories. That, but the best part of the story is um, I still have a relationship with my fifth grade teacher. And here's the dedication in wrestling with rhyme. They, says, they said she had six months to live, but she was in the hands of God, not just the lab report of some physician. Well, many years have come and gone, and I just saw her yesterday. They told me her disease was in remission. My fifth grade teacher means so much to me and several hundred more who, who watched her walk her um, volume, uh, something of a uh, uh, journey of faith. When God created each of us, the seventh day he rested just to come back even stronger on the eighth. She's been teaching by example at Pierce Delner School in Pupper, and many lives have changed because of that. I knew her as Miss Rufinak, but she is Mrs. Mokel now, so I'll just dedicate my book to Pat. Now, I promised her I'd never mention her name, and I just did, but um, sorry about that, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> it's Patricia R. Mokel from Archbold, Ohio.
3: Lanny, when when you uh, got in contact with, with her again, did she remember you from school
4: at all? Well, what happened was I, um, I was wrestling at Rosemont Horizon, and uh, my neighbor came up to me, Tommy Douglas, who lived across the street. Um, and he, he was there with his wife and his daughter. His daughter was running cross-country. So they asked me if I would come to the track meet the next morning and uh, I said, "Well, I can't because I'm going to Indianapolis." They said, "Come to the track meet. We'll drive you to Indianapolis." So I got, you know, obligated. So, right. so then I go, so I go to the track meet, and um, it's a cross-country meet. and I actually knew the coach, Mr. Ritter, that was Randy's baseball coach, and then um, everybody had aged. And then I saw my fifth grade teacher. And she had about five people around her, so I waited. And she looks at me and says, can I help you? And I said, um, only after you're done with your, you know, holding court. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, I'm ready now. And I said, are you are you Pat Rupinak local? She says, yes. And I said, I'm Lanny Popple from 19. 19- she said, Lanny, I remember you all the oh. big, oh,
3: wow. that, you
4: know, that must so, that must feel pretty good. Well, you know, it must feel pretty good because I didn't even enjoy school. I mean, I thought it was a ninety percent of it was really a waste of time and yeah. so was the other ten <laughs> percent.
3: I can relate to you on that? <laughs> What's that? I can relate to you on that, but when you have a good teacher, it's like you want to go to school just for that teacher.
4: You know? That's and I'll tell, I'll tell you what I did. Um I got my daughter, who was five years old at the time, just, and I videotaped her. I went over and over and over with her to recite the presidents. She goes, my name is Megan Poppo, and I'm five years old, and I'm going to recite the presidents: Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Jackson, Van Buren, Harrison, Tyler Polk, Taylor, Fillmore, Pierce, Buchanan, Lincoln, Johnson, Grant, Hayes, Garfield, Arthur, Cleveland, Harrison, Cleveland, McKinley, Roosevelt, Taft, Wilson, Harding, Coolidge, Hoover, Roosevelt, Truman Eisenhower Kennedy Johnson Nixon Ford Carter Reagan Bush, and that's all we had at the time. Wow, um, you
3: could—that means you could—that means if you could do that, you could get an autograph from Bob Backlund.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know that, Maddie.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I we videotaped it and sent it to Mrs. Boko, and she says that's just wonderful. And I'll tell you what—what what a fantastic! Um, I can't tell you how great it is when people come in your life like that. Yeah. You know, what are positive things. Sure. And um, I'm even friends with her um, husband and uh, even though I hate myself for envying him so much. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I can relate to that too, like having a crush on your teacher or like my like guy like counselor at like summer camp oh. and shit like that. Oh yeah.
2: God <laughs> yes.
1: I wonder how many guys you were the crush of Christy. I guarantee yeah. you were a lot of guys crushes.
5: Oh, I don't think so. My co host so.
1: Lanny, you we can't see her. you can't
3: see her Lanny, but she's quite the looker. She's a very beautiful lady. Well,
5: <laughs> so, I appreciate that, guys. So, stop,
4: stop. Let's talk about you. No, Lanny. So Well, I I I tell you what. I've been people have said that I'm a 10 on a scale of 100. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we, Lanny, you, you might we um uh don't
3: mean to get up, well, I guess I do um, start talking about you know um, when Randy passed um, you know I, you and I were actually supposed to be on a show together like the day after that happened and I
2: I came uh, out we, here.
4: yeah we were going to uh, I was on my way to San Jose California yep. um, and then uh, I was in I went from Tampa to Dallas, turned down my iPhone. And there was a message, and it was uh, from Largo Medical, and it said, uh, Hello, um, Mr. Popple, this is um, some doctor from Largo Medical. Your brother was in a car wreck with his wife, and he's in critical condition. And um, and the way, see, I happen to know that they never say somebody's dead on a machine. Right. A voicemail. Yeah. So the way he said it, I already knew. Mm. But I had, they gave me a phone number to call. I called the number. I was on hold for like, seemed like forever, but it was probably 20 seconds. And then I talked to Randy's wife, and I said, what's going on? She said, you don't know? And I said, no, what's going you know." And then she told me the whole thing, and I'll tell you what. Then I had to, I used the superstar card, and I'll explain what that means. Okay. I go to, I'm on American Airlines. And I hadn't even called my mom yet, and I knew that she would be a basket case. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure I had some news that I was coming home. So what I did was I tried to change my ticket from Dallas to San Jose, and I tried to change it to, from Dallas back to Tampa. And then um, the woman said, I'm sorry, but that flight is sold out. I said, let me speak to your supervisor. She says, it won't do any good. And I said, do it anyway, please. Yeah. So, so this woman um, she says, well, how can I help you? And I said do you know who Macho Man Randy Savage is? The famous wrestler? She says yes. And I said, I'm his brother. He died this morning. My mother is still alive and she's a basket case. If I don't go from Dallas to Tampa I don't know if she's not going to I don't know if she's going to make it.
3: Right.
4: So I said, um, is there anything you can do? I know it's sold out, but is there anything you can do to get me on the flight? From I have to go to Tampa, and I have to be with my mother before the sun goes down. Yeah. And she says, I'll be right back. Boom, 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 boom. first class ticket. And, uh, nice. I, you know, they, t- they gave me a coach ticket. I had a coach ticket, a bad ticket. You know how they are. Of course. And then, and then um, non-refundable, crappy, you know. <laughs> so, so then, um, actually, there was one empty spot on first class. They gave me that. And um, that's what I call playing the superstar card.
3: Hey, you've know, you got to do it sometimes. And that's the, the, there's no better time than that.
4: I'll tell you what. If I didn't make it home to be with my mom, that would have been it. I don't know if she would have lasted. Did you not you tell know,
3: me, Landy, Did you not tell me that the the reporters were waiting outside your mom's house for her when you got there?
4: Um, well, here's what happened. Randy died on a. Um... Oh man! I... It was like Friday, it was wasn't it? Friday, it Friday. was Friday. It was, it was a, okay. It was a Friday. It was May the twentieth. Friday, May twentieth. Okay. So then there was Saturday, Sunday, and the funeral was Monday. And Randy didn't want any hullabaloo. He just wanted to be cremated and right. that's it. But they had a viewing just for the family. And um, so I, I go to my mom's house. And as I'm, as I'm driving to the driveway, I see Channel... Um, I forgot the... Channel 10, I think. Yeah. And the guy's name was Glasser. So I go in there, and I'll tell you what, I've only got two drops of Randy's blood in my body, and they found it. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, because I'm like. Were they inside a, your mother's house? Yeah. Oh, you're like be shitting me. And they were interviewing her. So, oh. So I came in there. Fucking bloodsuckers. You know, I came in there with, uh, with my brother's face on. You see what I mean, and you know, because I am not intense, I am laid back. Randy was intense. I was not. Right. But there's two drops in my bloodstream that says, "Yes, you are too." Okay. So I go in there and I see the uh, a cameraman, and I see the guy with the with the, the microphone, and I knew who to blame. It isn't the cameraman. He's just a working man. Yeah. It is the guy with the microphone, and I walked up to him, and I said he started to, he said Lanny she let us in we just wanted to. we have nothing only the biggest respect and I said she's 84 years old how do you live with yourself yeah. get your things and get out now wow. and you know but I had Randy's face on sure <laughs>
3: yeah. you know you and you and Randy don't look that much different especially as kids looking at older pictures of you guys You guys look pretty like
4: brothers, for sure, back then. But I'll tell you who I'm nuts about. I'll tell you who's my... uh, And I know he's a friend of yours, too, Ted Webb. Oh, yeah, Ted
3: Webb. He's a legend in in the Tampa Bay area, legendary broadcaster.
4: So what I did was I called him up and told him what this guy did. And he said, "Granny, do you want to come on a radio show and talk about it? I said, no, I'm not ready to make a public appearance yet. But what I will do... I'll send you an email. You read it on the air and I'll be happy. So it was very brief. I just said, thanks to everybody for the love and affection and this and that and this and that. Unfortunately, some guy from Channel 10 News um, came into my mom's house, took advantage of her, and did an interview. And when I came back from the funeral, I looked on the internet and they had public, it was on there. Oh, In they put words, it
3: on? Oh, wow. Even you after know, they- you said that, wow.
4: You know, in other words, um, I thought I scared them, but not enough. You see what I mean? Sure. They don't love you. You ever said they do not love you? And um, No, they're bloodsuckers. The
3: they're bloodsuckers, bottom-feeding parasites. I
4: wanna, listen, I don't know, you know, what your constituency is if we're talking to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or just you and I.
3: Oh, no, hundreds.
4: But I just want to say something in front of all your fans, Sean. Yes, sir. I know what you did in San Jose. Thank you for taking up for Randy.
3: Oh, I didn't even want to go there, but come on. I I don't see how, I can't believe I'm the only one that said something. That's the thing, Lanny.
5: Lanny, what did Sean do?
4: Um, I'm getting emotional, Sean, why
3: don't you tell them? Okay. And we were talking about knobs and, uh, um, you know, we get there, everybody is just so sad. You know, and Knobs, and this is, Lanny doesn't, Lanny, you know, this is the show that Lanny uh, ended up not coming to and going back with his mother. Okay. And so it was, it was like a convention and, you know, a wrestling show mixed. And so we're all sk- sad and tears and in comes Nobbs and he's like, you know, faking a heart attack like, uh, like Fred Samper going, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I just... Oh my god! I got so pissed. I wanted to beat his ass so bad, Lanny. You know, and I got back to when I got back, I was on I was on Cowhead show, and I actually called him out about it. So, and then he was all backpedaling after that, and I think he even called you. Was like trying to apologize, but oh, uh, well, you know what I'm the told, fuck I'm is so funny what?
4: about? I don't get that.
3: You know how you can make a I'm, joke.
4: I'm gonna tell you what he did. Call me up, and um, he gave me his version of an apology and a denial together in other words um if you're going to deny it why apologize you're going to apologize why deny it right Right. okay so what i did i i'm exhausted i'm i'm emotionally bankrupt okay i'm i and i stayed that way for about six months and then i had myself a little comeback but you know there's stages of grief and um I am exhausted. I don't want to argue. I don't want to fight. Brian Knobs called me up. He apologized. I accepted it. I said, thank you for the apology and uh, whatever. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You see what I mean? Yeah. But but I'm going to tell you, I wasn't there, but it went viral. You know, it went, you know, like it became the, trust me, um, is there anybody didn't know, very few people didn't know about it, right?
3: Well, and, and uh, the, yeah, and and the thing is, is Randy was so good to me when I came to uh, work for Vince. He was one of my biggest supporters on air. You know, when he was commentating my matches, the greatest match I ever had was with Bret Hart, and him and Jim Ross were the commentators, and they made it even better. And and just how he was to me when Malenko died, I flew in. Randy came and picked me up, brought me to the funeral. Um, just, I mean, I loved him so much. And another thing that bothered me was all this, you know, when, when him and Hulk were, were, you know, at odds and, you know, they would be on on the radio, you know, on Bubba's show, and they'd be burying him. And then I'd come on there and they'd try to do that around me. And I'd go, you're not going to do that. You're not going to bury Randy with me sitting here. It's just not going to happen, you know? I just couldn't stand that shit. Well, well I'll tell you something. Put
4: yourself in my shoes, okay, Sean?
3: Yeah.
4: Um, I was a jabroni for 21 years, except for four months when Hulk Hogan took me, and I became his nemesis.
3: Yeah.
4: Um. So that. For, so in other words, I. I was. He was the new. Neut- he was the neutron. I was the electron. Right. And I knew that when it was over, you know, nothing lasts forever. And He would stay the neutron, the nucleus, and I would drift off into the uh, Eblis tide. But <laughs> um, when I think back on my career, I have selective amnesia and only want to remember the four months that Mister Perfect and I were against Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and you know, I made twenty-three appearances in Madison Square Garden. Twice mm-hmm. I was on the main event. So when Randy and Hulk were having their wars, um. I found. See, I just about two years ago, I was on Fox News, and they—it was right after Hulk got in trouble with the N-word. Sure. And they asked me about it, and I said I refuse to pull my friendship out underneath Hulk Hogan, and I said he is not a racist, he is not a homophobe. Um, That's right. He was going through—he was going through a horrible situation at the time. Um, his son was uh, facing uh, vehicular manslaughter charges. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and his, uh, and he he was was using a lot of
3: substances at the time. And he's the first to admit it. A lot of, he was using a lot of substances at the time, Lanny, and he's the first to admit it. But see, here's the, here's where I'm
4: caught in the middle. I love my brother, but I love Hulk Hogan too. Yeah, sure. And, and I'm going to tell you what, Sean, um, Looking you in the eye, if I could right now. When you take a jabroni and you make him a star for four months, how how would I live with myself if I was not grateful for that?
2: No,
3: oh, I'm. I agree. I, I I don't agree with you calling yourself a jabroni, but I I can agree 100 with with your sentiment because, I mean, Hulk's done a lot of stuff for me in the past too. I mean, so I I, I feel you. Just being on his team well, in NWO, I was I was so grateful for. Well, I'll tell you
4: what. I am not. The, I'm not going to go up to Hulk Hogan and say, "What have you done for me lately?" Because <laughs> uh, what he did for me in 1989 yeah. and 1990 was good enough. I had an. I was. I made an appearance on Regis Philbin because of that. Um, I'm when I go to when I go to different uh, places to sign autographs. I am. I wouldn't be important enough to do that if it wasn't for the thing with Hulk Hogan. You see what I mean? So even now, I'm enjoying the fruits of that labor. Right. So, so um, you know, I, I really... I know we were talking a long time, and about an hour ago, I don't remember what it was, when I talked about <laughs> Dominican Republic. Right. Um, and I was feeling sorry for myself because of my divorce. Um, I would like to, for everybody listening to the sound of my voice, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. Let's all be grateful for what we have, and not be mooning and spooning of what we don't have, I'm you know, you, it, it ha- have an attitude of gratitude and say thank you. And for 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 Hulk Hogan, I refuse to ever um, say one bad thing about him ever, right. because of what he and he's not done anything for me since. Sure, you know, and he, but does he have to? No, can't I just be glad of that?
3: Lanny, is it tr- is it true that that? Uh that your brother and Hulk saw each other before he passed away and kind of Very made passionate. a little bit of peace.
4: Okay. About, uh, it was about, um, a month before Randy died. My brother took my mom to the cardiologist. Um, and then the nurse said, um, Hulk Hogan is here. So Randy said, well, take me there. So Randy goes in there and, uh, and gives him a hug or something. Oh wow! And then, really? you know, and and so, actually, I'm gonna okay. Here's your scoop. You know, in in the midst of all this dribble, yeah. Um, Randy had a blank U list a mile long, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, it seems like it seems like the last two months of his life he went around making amends to everybody that he ever had any problem with, um, including Hulk Hogan. Because let me tell you what, um, even at the worst, it was still a love-hate situation. Sure. Even at the worst. Because, um, you know, Hulk was the Babe Ruth of wrestling. um, And anybody that was lucky enough to be in his shadow for a moment was instantly catapulted to success. And that was Randy in 1985. And they just clicked personally, professionally, in the ring, out of the ring. But, you know, things happened. Um, it, it was about Elizabeth, maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, I'll tell you what. If you want to know what happened, get the DVD. You get Hulk's side of the story. And um, I happen to know that when you're in an unsuccessful marriage, having a child can be the um, hostage in a... You understand what I'm saying? Oh, hell yes. Hell so, um, yes. Because, you know, you you can leave the woman, but you'll never leave the little girl. You That's see right. what I mean? So this is where they've got you. So it's a hostage situation. Anyway, I don't mean to be negative.
3: Oh, no. But
4: um, if I... Whenever I see a guy get married for the second time, I always thought... Um, it's the triumphs of hope over experience.
3: (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) That's exactly what it is, Lanny. Uh, So, hey, Lanny, so that brings me to the point where, you know, after after Randy passed, there was all this talk, and even before he passed, about Hall of Fame and how, um, you know, I know Randy's wishes were that the whole family be inducted together. Is that, that was that was something that he talked a lot
4: about, right? Oh yeah, I'll tell you what um see Randy had a a very bad leaving with the WWE and sure. what Randy it was right about the time Randy was on the announcing table, right? Yeah. And you were and you were there.
3: Yeah, I was one, there. One two
4: three kids. And doing fantastic for yourself. Yeah. Well, Randy started watching and getting the bug back. You see what I mean? He started getting, you know, that maybe I'm not too old. Maybe I can have one more match. And he was always known for his match with Ricky Steamboat. So he thought that he could possibly start a a little something with Shawn Michaels and then have a two-year program and then have the uh, showdown at WrestleMania and
3: that would have been epic. Th- yeah, that would have
1: been such a cool
3: match. Hell yeah! And Randy was Andy, still that good that he
4: could have pulled that off, big time. And Andy and was gonna. And he his intention was to um, have a match, um, hair versus career, where Shawn Michaels would shave his head, or Randy would give up his career and go and go to the announcing booth, and um, Randy would drop the match, go back to the announcing booth. But he wanted to end his career with a better match than he had with Steamboat. Oh wow. And that would have been and, the opponent um, to
3: do it with. That would have been the
4: opponent. Sean and Randy. Wow. And you know, the thing but when you okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in history. Um when Buddy Rogers defeated uh when Bruno Sammartino Martino defeated Buddy Rogers, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that was a shoot. Was it? Because I heard buddy that buddy, work?
3: buddy was. Uh, I heard Buddy had heart problems, and that it that w- was over real quick.
4: Yeah, Bruno walked over, put him and put him up on a bear hug. He says, "Give up or I'll break your back." Oh Jesus! And, that's, oh, and yeah, Buddy had heart problems, but uh, or that's what he said. You see what I mean? Sure. Listen, I got this. I got the story from Buddy and Bruno, and uh, I know whose whose story had a hole in it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and before that, um, you know what happens when a guy becomes a megastar. He doesn't want to lose, right? Exactly. So, so you got Argentina Rocca against Buddy Rogers, and uh, uh, this big band senior wanted Buddy Rogers to win. Rocca didn't want to lose. So, Buddy was a very charming guy. Did you ever meet him? I never had
3: the. Actually, I did, but it was very early, and I never got to spend any time around him.
4: Well, Buddy said, okay, Daddy, here's what we're going to do. And he's real charismatic when he spoke, you know. Right. And he says, and he's charming, too. You know, he makes you fall in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, um, he says, I win the first fall. You win the second fall and the third fall. Two out of three fall match. Yeah. So he goes out there, wins the first fall. And, uh, everybody goes home. The fans go home. The referee goes back. The, the buddy goes, leaves, you know, <laughs> it's a one, he, he told him there was going to be a two or three-fall match. Yeah, and so, it was just a one-fall. That is <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's just a one-fall match. That was, uh, so the joke's on you. That's, so, um,
3: that's great. That actually worked on, on
4: Raqqa. Yeah, well, you know, it was a very, buddy is a very persuasive guy. Mm. And, uh, anyway, um...
3: I heard Rocca had a hell of a well, hell of an ego, huh? Like, and that that kind of speaks to that. What's that? That kind of speaks to the the uh, reputation that that Rocca had for having having an ego.
4: Well, you know, listen, it happens to almost everybody. Sure. You know, like the the Montreal Screwjobs and everything. But but here's Randy. All he wanted was to he wanted to lose right in the middle, and end his career, but be known as having an even better mess than he did with Steamboat. That's all he wanted out of, out of life. I never then, heard that before. And then, so he goes and he actually calls me up. And uh, whenever he called me up, um, it didn't matter if it was two in the morning, because Randy was a light sleeper. Me, I'm a heavy sleeper. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, he would go, hello. And, and I said, hello. <laughs> this is Randy. I said, yeah, well, no shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like, so he says, I'm gonna bounce something off of you, and he he told me the whole the whole man he wanted to he wanted to get Shawn Michaels. He wanted to pour a glass of champagne to Shawn Michaels' career, and he would drink to his health and everything, and then take the bottle and break it over his head and start Macho Man against Shawn Michaels for two years, and it was like a a few from like the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know, like this after this, after this. And he says, what do you think? And I said, well, I, I sound like, uh, it's going to be fantastic. He said, that's how I want to end my career. I want people to, I want to have two matches to be proud of, not just one, you know, mm, and wow. end my career with the Shawn Michaels Savage match. And, um, so he goes to the powers that be, and uh, they said, well, we're having a youth movement. And the best thing you can do is stay on the microphone. Ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was elderly.
2: Uh, I, think I'll yeah.
4: get, I think I'll get a second opinion if it's okay with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when the WCW didn't think he was old enough, you know, that old um, that he couldn't hold. And then he, he said, I don't want to. I want to do it in the ring. because You know, he, he has. Um, he still felt he had the urge to go uh, out and prove he was a great athlete again. Well, and he so, did. Well, I he, think he sure did, yes. Yeah. But, it makes, it but let me, me ask you, Sean, I know that you loved wrestling so much. Yes. I know that you loved it before you got in, during, and, and not even now.
3: Till the day uh, I die. Till the day I die, I'll love wrestling.
4: Yeah, you have a passion and you're very appreciative of wrestling. But let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. And I'm speaking to the little boy in you, the fan in you, the person who said, wow, this is the greatest I've ever seen. Okay? He's you know, listening. And that they you would, they would cut school to be, you'd go, you'd rather do anything, uh, cut anything just to be in the wrestling. How do okay? you know, Lanny?
3: Um, I used to cut school every yeah. Wednesday to go to the <laughs> sportatorium.
4: <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, Uh, That is a passion that you had. So let me ask you this. As a fan, don't you feel cheated that you didn't get to see Macho Man against Shawn Michaels?
3: Yeah, now now that I actually just heard that, yeah, man, I feel really cheated. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people that hear this are going to feel cheated too. Okay,
4: well, I don't mean to be negative. No, but that's just but, a, um, It's a true story. Truth is the truth. But um, Randy, you know, Randy, it's true that Randy and Hulk got together at the end there.
3: Yeah.
4: And it's true that Randy, but I'll tell you what, after my father died in uh, March 4th, 2010, you know, we went to Chicago, had the funeral. Um, Randy gave me the job, you better fill up the church. I said, my God, that's a lot of pressure. That's a Monday,
2: right. you know. What I mean, how am I going to pull
4: up the church in Downers Grove, Illinois, yeah. when all my dad's friends are dead? So, hmm. thanks to Facebook and all my cronies that I knew from uh, Downers Grove, Illinois, they—I don't say it was a sellout, but I mean it was a pretty good house. Nice. So, and I felt pretty good about that. But then we got back to, we got back to Tampa. I mean, we got back to the Tampa airport, and then to you know. Randy lived in Seminole. I live in Largo.
3: Right.
4: And uh, Randy was, he said, come over. And I said, oh, fuck. I got to come over. And I said, (laughs) he sounded terrible. And uh, so I go over there, and he's absolutely shit-faced drunk, okay? And uh, God knows what he's taking. You know, he's just, he's on his ass, and he's crying. And he says, you were a better Son than I was.
3: Wow, that's heavy.
4: And I said, I said, that is false. He says, how is it false? And I said, my God, when my dad became an invalid, you know, you got him that bathroom, or the, the hospital bathroom, the high tech, and the bed that you give invalids. And then before, when he was still young enough to travel, he sent my parents first class to Europe, Japan, Hawaii. He brought you know, him to he brought stuff.
3: him to Jerusalem too because he we brought him there yes. after after he he and I were there together on a tour we were there that's on right. Easter Sunday and then he he loved it so much he decided he was going to bring your parents
4: that's right that's right I'm glad we have a witness yes he, sir he did all these things he took my parents sent them to Jerusalem sent them to Japan Hawaii any place they wanted to go and until they begged him please we're old stop taking us places <laughs> I mean it's we're, we don't want to go anywhere. We've seen everything we can see. Yeah. You know, we're exhausted. You know, getting in, a, you know, because, I mean, being in Jerusalem is great, but getting there is a pain in the ass. Your you brother know. and
3: I actually saw the ju- the tomb of Jesus Christ together.
4: Wow. wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's that's pretty heavy, man. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would go there now, but I'm absolutely scared to death of, um, you know, it's a it's not a people place right. anymore you know? I'm, I'm more so, scared of heights it, I think
3: I would go to Israel right now before I'd climb up and, or go out on that ledge at the Grand Canyon Lanny <laughs> <laughs> right.
4: so 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 anyway yeah sorry he's he's cry. you know he's, he's actually crying real tears and I said no. he said it's that goddamn battle royal." I said what the one in 1987 he says yeah I couldn't get that in the battle royal." And what happened was um, there was an old-timers battle royal in the Meadowlands in November the 16th, 1987, and invited were Lou Feds, uh, uh, Nick Bockwinkel, Tony Gorilla, um, Eduardo Carpentier, oh, wow, Eduardo Carpentier. Um, Pat, Pat O'Connor, um, and uh, Al Costello, 20 wrestlers and, and my brother tried to, he, my dad says, any way you can get us, get me on that cart. And Randy said, don't worry, it's done. And I, you know, he didn't ask leaping Randy; He asked Randy, right. he knew who had the stroke. So I just assumed it was done. You know, Randy had the stroke. How hard is it to add one guy to a battle? royal? And, um, so then I'm in the, uh, Landover, Maryland, um, you know, in um, the Cap Center. Cap Center. Yeah. And Randy grabs me with those man hands and he says and he puts his face right on my face and he says, They're not gonna let that in the battle royal. Why not? I said, Why not? He said, Why not? He says, Because they're no good blank 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 blank. <laughs> so I mean I don't want you to follow sure. the blank, but it was just it was a streak of rudeness. So um so then I remember after the battle royal, the um, Chief J. Strongbow has a cast on his arm in a sling. And he says, Randy says, what happened to you? And he says, um, oh, Luther threw me over the top rope in the battle royal and broke my arm. <laughs>
3: wow. and,
4: and there was about 10 of the boys in the room. And Randy says, Luther didn't break your arm. You're too fat. You're a disgrace to the business. You have no business in the ring. He says, you broke your own arm. And, um, and I, after that was over, I said, why are you acting like that? He says, what's the difference? I was nice to everybody and they don't like me. They have no respect for me and they have no respect for dad. So screw them. And, um, so then, um, Okay. I tried to keep Randy's uh, wishes, okay? Sure. It was like right after Randy died, um, they're having WrestleMania in Miami, and then um, John Laurinaitis called me up, and he asked if I could put Randy in the Hall of Fame, and I said, Randy's wishes were the whole family get in the Hall of Fame, Randy, Lanny, and Angelo. So that got over like a fart in a spacesuit. So... Um, <laughs> Huh. So, and then, so then anyway, they, um.
2: What did I'll Lauren Knightis
5: say to you on the phone? What was his response when you said that?
4: Uh, he said, I'll tell the, I'll tell the people and, uh, we'll get back with you. You know, cause he's just the messenger. Right. So, so then right before New Orleans, okay. Uh, in the WrestleMania, New Orleans, um. I get a call from um, Mark Carano. Yes. And um, here's what it happened. Now, like I said, I make no bones about my age. I'm going to be 62. And my believe it or not, my 60th birthday was not the big birthday.
3: No? Uh,
4: the, 59th, the 59th birthday was the biggest birthday of my life because it occurred to me that I was now the older brother. My brother died at 58 and a half. Yeah. I am now 59, and me, listen, the ICW wasn't even my idea. I never wanted to do that. I didn't want to be opposition. Right. I didn't. I'm a go with the flow type of guy. I don't want to do things the hard way. I'm going to do things easily. You know, I just want to go wrestle, and that's enough. Yeah. So, so a lot of times in my life, I didn't get my way. So what happened was, I'm thinking it over, and I said, wait a minute. I'm the older brother now. I get to make unpopular decisions now. And then I thought about, now I'm not a Trekkie, but I do enjoy Star Trek. And I thought about the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or Thank the one. Thank you for saying that. Yes. So that was Spock in uh, the Wrath of Khan. And, yeah. you know, like I say, I don't go to Comic-Cons all dressed up as a character. But, I mean, I enjoy Star Trek anyway. So, Mark Carano called me up and I said, uh, he wants to do an interview for me for the WWE Network. And I said, Mark, um, I've given it a lot of thought, I am now the older brother, I get to make unpopular decisions now, and I have decided that the Macho Man needs to go in the Hall of Fame. And he goes, oh wow, Oh, I can't believe it. and by the way, my mom still isn't talking to me. You know right. what I mean? She says, you can't do that. It was his wishes. Listen, this is And I said, let me tell you about his wishes. He got a lot of his wishes. What am, what am I going to get some wishes?
3: Right.
4: I said, I'm the older brother. This is my wish. And the needs of the many, the millions of macho millions fans of outweigh people. the needs of them. What's that? I was just,
3: sorry, I was just going along with you. The millions of people that it means so much to.
4: Yeah, it's like, uh, and there wouldn't be a macho man if it wasn't for the macho fans. Right. So, what do you want to do? Punish the people, like with Bruno San Martino? Uh, he should have gone in the Hall of Fame uh, back in 1970. As soon as they had a Hall of Fame, he should have yep. been the first guy. Yep. You know, uh, but they now it's like, a, I mean, they finally put him in, and all his fans are dead. Nobody <laughs> remembers him. I mean, you yeah. know, they have to learn about him, and that's all. Sure. But, I mean, um, it, it got
3: over in New York because, obviously, New York is, you know, uh, they, still, they still know him there. But, like, yeah, yeah I, but hear it, you. It I totally happened. hear what you're saying.
4: It should have happened earlier. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, they call me back. Uh, Mark Colano calls me back, and he said, look, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we only have, have one posthumous inductee per year, and this year it's Paul Bearer. Um, you can, uh, if you can just pay, pay please. Don't tell anybody, don't tweet, don't do anything um we can do it in San jose yeah in, in, in the meantime you come in, make interviews, this and that, you know, and uh I agree to the d v d this and that and video, uh,
3: video games stuff Or no, Randy actually made that deal himself before he passed, right the video games
4: that's true, yeah. yes, so things things were starting to thaw out a little, yeah, but um see the thing is um. The final piece of the puzzle was, he never made peace with Pat Patterson. He blamed Pat for the battle royal. Oh wow, wow! That's a and, it, boy to carry
3: some some resentment like that around with you for so long.
4: Ugh. You know something? Don't do it. Hate will make you ugly. Yeah. You know, hate you 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 don't hurt the person you hate. You hurt yourself. It's yeah. like if I hate you so much, I drink poison. Yeah, you are showing I mean? them. Except, <laughs> What's that? You're showing them. So anyway, um so the Pat my Patterson. point is
3: Sorry? No, you were talking about how he made peace with Pat or he hadn't made peace with
4: Pat. No, he didn't he didn't have to make peace with Pat. He would have um one of his biggest regrets is not getting the shit out of fun uh Raw and Pat Patterson in the same punch. You know, but of course, you know you would be accused of hitting an old man.
3: I didn't know he had it, heat with Pat, but I knew I knew he didn't like Chief very much. I didn't know that. Well, I'll
4: tell you what. I per, to be, the, between the two of them, I prefer Pat. Uh, Chief was just a, a miserable guy. Yeah, that um, that was pretty much
3: his demeanor. We got along with him really good, but like he was pretty miserable.
4: Yeah, you're right. But uh, Pat, at least, was upbeat. Yeah. You know. Funny to be around,
3: uh, always laughing. Yeah.
4: Yeah, he was. uh, And I'll tell you something, too. Um, In 1967, um, we were in San Francisco. My father was working for Roy Shires for three weeks before he went to Hawaii. Yeah. I saw Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens against Pedro... um, Morales, and
3: Pepper, Pepper Gomez. Gomez. Yep.
4: In everybody in their prime. Nobody with the excuse, I'm too old. And, Sean, I promise you, at the time, uh, you never saw a better match. Uh, of course, now it's been surpassed by other people. Okay? But at the, in 1967, for your entertainment dollar, I defy you to find a better match anywhere.
3: Yeah, and that, that's what I heard. I would love to have seen some of that stuff. Because I heard that, I mean, you know, Pat and Ray, as far as the tag team goes, were just light years ahead of
4: everyone else. And I'll see, this is the thing. If you don't like somebody, just say you don't like them. But don't knock their work How For dare real. You? Yeah. Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens were the greatest uh, heel tag team ever. And I'll even go so far as say that I was more impressed with Pat and Ray. Oh wow! Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's usually one guy that shines higher, you know, and um, I don't know. I and Randy always knew, and whenever we discussed Pat Patterson, he says, "Hey, we will never knock his work, right? You see what I mean, and never knock his brain in the business. So his ideas were excellent. You know, he he invented the Royal Rumble.
3: Yeah, which is an but, amazing concept for
4: wrestling." You know, it's like uh I I think it I think it got over. Yeah, you know hell what yes. I mean? They do whatever you know. Yeah. Do you That's... still
5: watch the modern day battle royals and the pay per views? Do you ever tune into like raw or SmackDown?
4: Well, here's the problem. I'm um you know how Sean loves wrestling? Yes. Um I loved wrestling. Oh and um I'm about done now. Okay, it's like if, listen, wrestling's been very good to me. I um, I know a lot of people that gave more than they got. I'm probably the biggest example of a guy that got more than he gave. So I'm very appreciative. It's just that um, I don't I wouldn't rather watch wrestling than a baseball game. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I yeah. just, um, I, like I say, I'm only going to be alive for a finite number of years i hope it's a lot of years i'm very happy on earth but i'm not going to spend three hours on raw
3: <laughs> me neither
4: <laughs> i might get i might get heat for saying that but me neither lanny <laughs>
3: Uh, we okay, only you know, our, time is our most valuable commodity. <laughs> there is nothing more valuable than time, Lanny. And you're right. I don't want to spend three hours every Monday.
2: <laughs>
4: oh. you, know, you know, but I don't want to be one of those old timers that knocks yeah. the new guys. And no. I think a lot of what, what I've seen is a lot of great talent. But here's their handicapped writers. Yeah. Okay. How are you going to get a personality like Rowdy Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake Roberts? macho man randy savage you can't have a personality like that because no. they're writing it and of that's course right. you're reading it
3: and it's you know obvious. Know I mean? you,
4: sound, you sound like a guy reading because that's what you're doing exactly like, and now the news you know yeah it's
3: pretty it's it's some of it's really uncomfortable to watch it's like it's like watching a really bad soap opera
4: yeah I did I was about to uh, I was gonna say, go blank yourself, San Diego. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like um, Anchorman. Yeah, man, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is if I'm talking to a girl. Yeah. Or if it's like a social situation, and I'm just making my first impression. You know, I just say, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> and they either they either they either know what I'm doing or don't know what I'm doing, but either way, it's fun. Because wasn't that the greatest thing when he says, people know me, my home smells like mahogany, and uh, I'm very important. Sure.
2: (laughs)
5: Well, Take my word for it.
3: Hey, one more thing real quick, Lanny. Uh, You know, a lot of people uh, were sure that uh, there's no way Randy would have wanted Hulk to induct him into the Hall of Fame. Now, obviously – you thought different, and I, I thought it was actually
4: fitting myself. Well, first of all, I didn't choose Hulk Hogan. Secondly, if I were given a choice, I would have picked Hulk Hogan. I thought so. I am so, you know, I, that would be the the final olive of Branch. Yep. Um, I personally love Hulk Hogan. I know Randy really did too. Um, some of the trouble was because of the Elizabeth thing okay sure but um it it was a no-win situation because i know how it is to have a hostage of having a daughter well hulk had a hostage of a daughter and a son
3: yeah see what i mean yeah
4: and uh, it was just you have no idea the pressure that you have trying to keep a marriage together and trying to do the right thing for everybody and um
3: it ends up not working out too good because i know i know from personal experience Now, did you see my speech? I did. I was there.
4: Yep. It was great. I added added one verse to it. When the mega powers exploded, the storyline was real. Life's too short to hold a grudge. It's time for us to heal.
2: Yep.
4: And I wrote that like 20 minutes before we went out. And um, fortunately, it was on my iPhone, so it was really easy to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Yeah. But um, I... I would if I, I didn't pick Hulk, but I would have, because um, the mega powers. What would have meant more for the fans? What would have meant more? And it was good closure for Hulk. And you know, none of us are perfect. I'm not. You're not. None of us are. But can't we just look for the best in each other? And if you want to have a fight with me, isn't the Hall of Fame not the time to do it? Yes. It's, I mean, do we uh, yeah. have to keep fighting even that day? Right. Can't we know. just bury the axe?
3: Some people just can't, can't just do it. And I I think that says more about, you know, them than, than, than you know, than whatever the situation
4: like, is. If you don't like me, start tomorrow. But sure. can't we have a holiday on that? Let's make a right. truce. This is the day we all get along. And then we go back to hating each other. Yeah. You know, it's like one day. That's Armistice.
3: Armistice get... for one day, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
5: well, we've loved chatting with you today, Lanny. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us and talking about Randy, and I just, I can't tell you how much it meant to us to be able to have this conversation with you today.
4: Okay, my last word will be thank you. I enjoyed it immensely, and I want the people to know that Randy wasn't just a great man, he was a good man. And that's a lot more important. Yes, it is. Yeah. And
3: and, uh, Lanny, I just, please give your mother my best. I don't know if she remembers me from way back then, but, um, she, your mother's a saint hundred percent. And I just want everybody to know that. And, uh, thank you so much, Lanny. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, listen,
4: that. the pleasure, the pleasure is mine. And, uh, you distinguished yourself in San Jose, uh, that, you know, when Randy passed away mm-hmm. and, um, thank you for that. I wasn't there, but, I'm glad I wasn't there because I hate that crap.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you weren't there for that, too, Andy. And, uh, again, hey, it was an it, it was an honor for me just to know Randy. So, um, and I love him very
4: much. And I'll tell you what, my life has been enhanced in so many ways, but um, having a father like I did, my brother and my mother, what a lucky best starter I am. Wow. What
3: an amazing <laughs> family, too, man. What a great family. Amazing. Thank you, Landy. Thank you
4: so much, man. And really thanks for keeping it. his memory alive uh t- today and always.
3: Forever, man. Thank you, Landy. Have an awesome day, man. You too.
5: Bye-bye. Okay, thanks. Bye bye. Wow. Oh wow. That was truly fantastic. And we will be right back with more X Pac One Two Three Sixty to chat about it. Stay tuned. Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on SiriusXM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later.
0: Hey, wrestling fans, if you want to see Sean X-Pac Waltman in your area, be sure to make it out to the following upcoming shows. On Saturday, November 5th in LaSalle, Illinois, Sean will be making an appearance at Dreamwave Wrestling. If you have a promotion and want to book Sean Waltman on your wrestling show, send all serious appearance inquiries to showbiz at AOL.com. Back
5: to you in the studio. We're back with X-Pac 12360 on AfterBuzz TV. Just had a little chat with Lanny Poffo. A little what chat. An eye-opening, <laughs> what an eye-opening <laughs> little chat it was.
3: Yeah, oh wow! There, you know what? That thing could have gone on for another two hours. I had so much that I could have talked with Lanny about. You know, whether it was about him or or Randy or or his parents.
0: That just means we have to have him on
3: again. Yeah, yeah, part yeah, two. yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and for him to spend uh, a couple hours with us, just talking about everything, and you know, some of the stuff he told us is stuff that I've never heard before.
2: Yeah, you we know, like Like that. the Buddy
3: Rogers. Uh, Bruno San Martino thing. Like, I was mm-hmm. always under the impression that that buddy um, had heart problems and just had to go in and drop it real quick. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, some really cool stuff that that Lanny told us.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Really cool.
3: And I'm so, like I said, I already told him, you know, several times how grateful. I am for him spending his time with us.
5: Well, yeah, and just what a sweet guy. Yeah. I mean, no, I'd yeah, love to I, go hang out with him. I didn't
3: even want to bring that stuff up in the San Jose, you know, that he was talking about. You know, you don't need to pat yourself on the back over something. More people should have spoke up about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah, well, it but, sounded
5: like he really wanted to make sure that he said that to you.
3: Well, it, that he means, a you. it means a lot. You means a lot. I always try to keep it real, you know, when it came to my friends, and even though two might have heat with each other. It's just like, come on. We need to fucking get along here, you know? Well, that you, was how I always felt. I always wanted to make peace with everyone.
5: Was that something that you found yourself in the middle of? Kind of? Uh, the well, Randy Hogan thing? Uh,
3: nobody put me in the middle. I just felt like... I just felt like it just made me sad.
2: hmm
3: You know? Because mm-hmm. I, I was just like, God, these guys... I just... I knew, like, deep down there. Up for each other, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew they're both really good people, and it's just you just hate to see that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, yeah, we're- great interview
5: and we're, we're going to keep bringing them to you and we want you guys to never ever miss an episode or one of our interviews so make sure that you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash xpoc12360show hit that like button, there's a lot of good extras there, we always post all of our links anything you need to know, everything from the show we are also on Instagram at xpoc12360, make sure you give us a little follow there and what else, you guys can always tweet me at Christy Reports I love to know what's going on out there, you got some juicy scoop or you have questions about some pro wrestling news, let me know. I'll try to I'll try to get the deets for you. So you can always hit me up on Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat at Christy Reports. Jimbo, where can they uh, reach out to you at?
1: You can reach out to me at Jimbo in the Booth on Twitter by my documentary The Young Bucks Too Sweet Journey at HighSpots.com. Uh, during this interview, when he talked about the potential feud between Macho and Sean, it made me think that when he didn't get to do that and he went to WCW, maybe that's why he wanted to do the feud with DDP so bad, to show people, like, maybe. I can still go sure. with somebody. Uh-huh. And that ended up getting, you know, PWI's feud of the year. So, <laughs> right. made yeah. you think. Sean, where can they find you on
3: Twitter? <laughs> uh, at Pac. that's my Twitter handle. I don't know if I... Uh... I don't have any other handles that
5: I. No, you have this Instagram that you don't I post photos use to. <laughs> no, I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna get on him about that guy. So go to Instagram yeah. and follow him there as well. We have him tagged in our Instagram, which is Xbox One Two Three Sixty. So you know which yep. one is the right one, the yep. real Xbox. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us today. We will be back next week. Make sure you follow us everywhere to find out who the guest is gonna be, and we will see you then.
3: See you next week.
0: From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olsen, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Bidonica, and the entire x One Two Three Sixty staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow x on Twitter at Xpock, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!